Hey guys, brand new BirdCast. It is with a heavy heart that I share with you that I am still not drinking. <laughs> Why is that a heavy heart? Because, uh, what was it? Today I was dropping off Isla to school and I thought, oh, I'm starting to recognize my tendencies. Which run. are? Um, I don't want to fly tomorrow. Yeah. And so I treat myself with alcohol. Oh yeah, like I think I think I think it's I, it's I guess it's triggers, but it's it's a it's a treat. Someone said to me, I need to go a hundred percent off alcohol and planes forever and make that my rule because I'm such a teetotaler. I kind of like that. Um, we'll see. Well, we're doing it tomorrow. No alcohol on the plane flight tomorrow. I'm going to Chicago. Thursday night shows are available. Uh, Wednesday, I'm at Augustana College. Uh, if you're in the area and you want to go to that show, I think you can. I, I think you have to be a student. I don't know, but if you go to Augustana. Uh, feel free to go to the show. Um, yeah, that's and that's my road. And then I'm I'm in uh, the next week. I'm in uh, Phoenix for the All Things Comedy Festival. Me, Bill Burr, Doug Stanhope, Ari Shafir, uh, a bunch of other people. I'm sorry that those are the ones that just came to my mind. <laughs> uh, Jen Kirkman's there the evening of the 27th at All Things Comedy Festival with her podcast. Uh, I seem fun. And that's it. Uh, and then, oh, no, I have more dates. What am I talking about? That's it. Right, babe? I think so, yeah. you have November, I'm busy. November, uh, I'm in Irvine the 9th through 11th, Tampa the 16th through 18th. I'm hoping you guys are recognizing a much clearer sounding podcast. We've stepped up the game here. Behind me is Halston. He sat through the podcast today with Jay, um, Jay uh, Larson. That's my guest. Uh, I don't think it caused any different of an interview than I would have had with Jay, but I did realize in the middle of last night, I was like, Jay was forced to look at Halston the entire thing, and I was looking at Jay, so I didn't even realize Halston was in here until like halfway through. I was like, oh yeah, so I may, I may switch the man cave around, switch the seating around. Just know- put a curtain up. Yeah, that's what or I'm like going to Or like a Japanese screen. Yeah, maybe I'll do that, Leanne. A retractable, uh, like, a retractable, like... Um- film scream like in high school that you can push it down and then you pull it back up these like are all that. really great ideas i'm gonna put, i'm gonna jot down in my in my dream book mm-hmm. uh by the way this looks good with jay farrow uh white famous this looks really good oh yeah jay farrow's a really cool guy i'd like to get him on the podcast so back to the not drinking on planes and that being your permanent plan yeah you know how strong you would feel if you did that yeah you would probably feel like you could do anything. Except, can I make... Okay, I could do that mm-hmm. if I could make caveats. Yeah, that's the story of your life. Everything is, but I have a caveat. I'll drive the girls to school if if you make me a cup of coffee. Um, right? No. Yeah. I want a cup of coffee right now so fucking yeah, bad. See? I'm going to my see? cardiologist appointment. You just said that and it triggered me. Aw. Uh, so, yeah. I, 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 it's been good, you know? I think it's... I think it's it's been well noted. Ari's had a rough run at this. <laughs> this has been maybe less enjoyable for Ari mm-hmm. than it has been for me. I've loved it. Uh, I have Ari's been in New York this whole time. I don't know why he's not just loving it, but uh, Tom is okay. He's been eating a lot of sugar. He said like a lot of like chocolate croissants. What I know he's like, like pastries. He's like I can't stop eating pastries. Oh God, Joe's doing. Uh, Joe's doing good. I think Joe was at a rough run at the, at the beginning. He was really panicked about the idea of giving up weed for a month. But uh, it's been a great... I, I've had a great month. I don't want to go to Chicago, in all honesty, because I, I, I'm really happy at home. 
Well, what a great challenge it's going to be to go there and to stay sober and to do all your shows sober and all your press sober and see how you feel when you're done. I canceled this press. deep into it. I canceled press. You canceled press? Yeah. I okay. Wanna, I didn't want to do press sober. Well, okay. I'm joking. I'm joking. There's no press. The shows are sold out. Thursday's the only one with tickets available. So uh, Tony called and he was like, hey, do you want to do press? And I was like, uh, I'll do it if you want to do it. And he was like, I don't care to do it if you don't care to do it. And I was like, done. Lavelle Crawford's lost fucking weight. Yep. That was Lavelle Crawford? Yeah. Holy shit, he looks great. Yeah, if you can't tell, the TV is on during this read, which never happens. Yeah, I don't. So, I, I should. I it's can't. probably a bad idea since I am looking at Halston See, and Bird is looking at the television. It's my bad. Yeah, it is your bad. Um, listen, I did a podcast with the Scholar Brothers. They were nice enough to do my cooking show, Something's Burning. That's an all things comedy production. We shot that this week, and they were like, hey, man, uh, can you come and do our podcast after that? And I was like, sure. They have a great podcast called. Uh, Sklar Bros. I was Sklar Bros. Say, I wonder if it's Sklar something. Sklar Bros. Count Country. It's uh, after Scarborough's Country, and uh, this podcast. I, this is their new podcast, and I really enjoy it. I enjoy it because it's broken up into three different places, uh, and it's an exploration and a celebration of dumb people doing dumb things. Dan Van Kirk, the Sklar Brothers. And other famous comedians riff off real-life news stories. It's called Dumb People Town. I did it. Uh, my episode is up right now. You can go listen to it. And it was really fun. I end up... They asked me. They were like, do you mind telling the machine story? And I was like, I don't care at all. I don't mind ever telling that story. I'm not that kind of comic, I guess. That I, I go, if anyone wants to hear anything I have, fuck yeah. And I also tell my new stuff. Um, so uh, it's really great. Dumb People Town. I, t- I tell the machine story at the very end, but... It's a really fun, it's a really, really, really fun podcast. So check it out. They're going to be on the podcast when I'm drinking. I think them and Dan are going to come over and we're going to do a Forzies podcast with some booze. Um, do they drink? Yeah, they do. And they said they would for me. Okay. But uh, yeah, I think that's it. Is that it? I think so. Did I, I say I'm in Irvine and Tampa in November? I don't remember. Doing the Tampa, uh, doing the St. Pete Run Fest. Uh, and like I said, I really hope you, you witness, you notice a, a change in sound in this podcast because we went out and we really stepped up our game. We got the mics Rogan uses. We got some arms. I got to change the seating around in the man cave. That's number one. I'm going to have to do that. That's going to be the first thing I have to do because I could tell Jay was a little uncomfortable with how he was sitting. Stop watching TV, Leanne. Well, turn it off. Well, I do think you should. Yeah, go ahead. What? Never mind. What? What were we going to say? Nothing. Say it. Going. I'll I'll don't. say it when you're done. No. Okay. I'm done. Okay. I was wondering if you should tell everybody that we have some hoodies coming out. But that is something you can totally say out loud. <laughs> I know, but I was interrupting your thought process, which I found to be rude. We have some hoodies coming out. They are inarguably the most comfortable hoodies you've ever felt in your entire fucking life. They're awesome. They're machine hoodies. They're machine hoodies. They're fucking amazing. And uh, and yes, Tom and I are doing that calendar. Uh, we're doing a yoga pose calendar, oh a couple's God. yoga pose calendar. Oh my God. I'll let you know when that's available for pre-order. You should call it Bears in Yoga. Bears in Yoga? Uh-huh. Hyber, so hyber. Bears in Yoga. <laughs> I found the hard way you don't tell any of your ideas on the podcast because some people go ahead and steal them. Yes, they do. And buy the, and buy the, and you're like, oh man. And then really good people hit you up and they're like, dude, I was a dick. I stole it. It's yours if you want it. I'm sorry. 
You know, that's so true because I'm building a new website for you and I was trying to set up a, like a, a Gmail account for the website. Mm-hmm. Everything related to your name goes to China. So somebody just took like Bert, Bert, Bert at Gmail, Bert Kreischer at Gmail, Bert Kreischer 1, Bert we just, Kreischer 3. Just, it really do, sucks. Why don't we do uh, Bert, not the Chinaman. Uh, Bert, not the Chinaman. Uh, Fuck you, China. Fuck, there we go, Leanne. Yeah. We just lost some listeners. Uh, uh, nobody in China listens to this, do they? Yeah, I guess they, they, they do. They do, but they're American. They no, Chinese, no Chinese people that would be offended by that. They steal your digital footprint possibilities. Um, I have a cardiologist appointment today. My blood pressure is fantastic. My heart rate is fantastic. But I'm going to the cardiologist just on my... On my Leanne, stop watching TV. Well, turn it on off. On my weekly checkup. And, uh, or my, my eight-month checkup. And uh, my sister had her baby, so we're going to go down and hang out with my sister and her new baby, uh, Teddy. Mm-hmm. Boy. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's it. I think that's it. Oh, always go to Laughable. Check out Laughable. Ned's got a great setup where you can now get tickets for us through Laughable at the app. So if you like, if you follow a comic, you know what podcast they've been on, you'd find out I'm on Dumb People Town. And then you can also follow all the podcasts that the Sklar Brothers have been on, and at the same time... You can buy tickets for our shows on Laughable. Go to Laughable. The wait list for the Android's coming up. Uh, you can get it on the iPhone. Just go to Laughable in the App Store. Get Check it out. Shout out to Ed, Ned and uh, and tell him how much you love in the app. I want coffee so fucking bad. You can have it in about three hours. I'm going to make a coffee to take with me. Are you? Yeah. So that when, as soon as I take my blood, I'm having a coffee. In one of the 5,000 insulated cups that we own. Yep. Uh-huh. That's it, everybody. Today's guest uh, has a new hour special coming out on the 20th of September, 21st of September, 20-something of September, October, October 20th, Jay Larson's new uh, new special comes out. It's called uh, Me Being Me. <laughs> Man, you're worth your weight and salt right there, Halston. Me Being Me, Jay Larson's... Uh, special comes out. You can get it at jlarson.com, jlarsoncomedy.com, and uh, and and he paid for it himself. I talked to him ad nauseum after this when we were outside and we were talking about the the our special process. Um, s- not sadly, uh, very positively, uh, change has come about in the industry. Uh, the industry used to be all all comics were all just white dudes. Um, that happens to be a lot of the people that do comedy are white dudes that we enjoy doing comedy. Wait, did you start this comment with sadly? Um, yeah, can I just... Okay, go ahead. <sighs> Sorry. Sadly, but positively, uh, the change has come. But adversely, oh. it's very hard for a white guy to get a special these days. Oh, I see. Because uh, they'd rather diversity than non-diversity. The so whites have saturated the comedy field. Is we have been saturating the comedy field for years, which uh-huh. is fine. It's completely fine. We're still getting spots in clubs. We're still working. It's just when it comes to specials, which are precious, uh, it's hard for guys like myself and Jay. And I'm, I'm just not saying that I'm having a uh, that showtime is very sweet to me, but it's hard for guys like us to get specials sometimes. Whereas if you are a big uh, act in a different country, it might be easier to get on uh, on, a, on a platform. So Jay produced this himself. He paid for it himself. Aww. He hoped to license it himself. He did not license it himself. He is now going to distribute it himself. And so what that means, and I'm saying this you candidly, uh, he's fucking hilarious. 
Jay is amazing. Do him a solid. I think it's five fucking bucks. Go to it's six bucks. <laughs> go to go to jlarsoncomedy.com and pre-order this special. He's a great dude. You've heard him on his podcast, Fuck the Crab Feast. It's called The Crab Feast with him and Ryan Sickler. Fuck sometimes, Leanne, I get so frustrated with you. It's they say fuck the crab feast, give them a five star rating. So right, fuck the crab feast, five star ratings, five star oh. ratings, what got you at the top of the Sometimes I don't want to tell you all the stuff I know because I know so much stuff, Leanne. Um, he's a great guy. He's a great comic. He's a great writer. I feel the same way. He's created so much great content, and he's got one of my favorite uh, bits I've ever heard in comedy. It really is. The fucking prank phone call wrong number bit is fucking amazing. He's a good friend of mine, and and he's a hilarious comic, and you're going to love this podcast. So do him a solid. Go to jlarsoncomedy.net. Pre-order the special now. Watch it when it comes out. Share it with your friends. Put it up. Tell your friends on Facebook. Tell your friends on Instagram. That is the power of these podcasts. That's why they're so valuable to us as listeners is when we find cool shit like Adam Greentree, Cameron Haynes, Eddie Bravo, Joe Rogan, Tom Segura, uh, Jay Larson, Joey Diaz, uh, Brendan Shaw, Brian Callen, Duncan Trussell, Ari Shafir. When we find cool shit, we share it with our friends. It is the, it is the thing I am blessed that you guys shared that machine story as much as you did. And it, and it gave me a career. So let's help that. Let's pass that forward. Ladies and gentlemen, today's podcast, Jay Larson. This is the I, 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 Not that, like, it's not that, by the way, there's a brand new setup, new microphones. I love them. They're beautiful. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, I said to Rogan, I was like, uh, I mean, I won't say his number, but he's, you know, he's taking shit to the next level. He's got a new studio. Mm-hmm. And I was with him. I was, did the last interview in the old studio. And I was like, uh, I was like, yeah, man, I dropped some cash on my uh, podcast. He's like, good, good, good. It's about time. And then I saw his fucking setup, and I was like, oh my god, you actually built a room to look like the old, like you built a room to look like the old podcast That's in amazing. a warehouse, it, dude. His is next level. It really inspired me. I think I know what I want out of life. But here's what I'll say about you that I that uh, that is something I don't have that you have that I wish I had because I'd utilize if I did. Uh, you oh are boy. you are you are a man of many interests. You, yeah, you for find sure. passion very quickly in things. Yeah, well, I mean, I have certain things that I'm interested in. That doesn't mean I find passion. I mean, you know, like people that you like talk to, and you're like, "Hey, man, you ever heard of a? Uh, you ever see these old Triumphs?" And he goes, "Oh yeah, they started making those Triumphs in 1962." And you're like, yeah. "Dude, how do you know about that?" Yeah, Bill Burr. That's yeah, Bill Burr. You talk about a truck, and he's like, "They're they you know, yeah, that the problem with the 72s." And you're like, I don't know anything about that shit. Yeah, you know, I don't, you know, you know, this this seventy twos thing, you know. You're like Rogan in a way. Like he finds shit. He's like he. I've never heard him break it down like this until the other day. But he was like, dude, I find stuff I'm interested in, and then I just immerse myself in that shit. Yeah, well, that dude's hardcore about that but stuff. You're too. like that. I am, but my shit's not like Rogan's. Like such a, I'm like a total dudes dude. But if you ask me like my crazy interests, I'll be like, yeah, well, I just, you know, I get Veranda Magazine and I get Better Homes and Gardens and I like design and I like... Why don't you have a show on DIY or HGTV? I mean, I had a show for a while, but, uh, you know, the bar show. But that other stuff... That introduced me to Sean Patton. Oh, really? That's why I was? Yeah, that's the entire... There was an episode you guys did where you were clearly drunk and... uh, and it was you could I could see it was going off the rails because I was watching you try to reel it back in. Yeah, Sean was out of his fucking mind, and I watched your eyes dart from producer to cameraman. Like I watched you produce. I it. was always pulling you, it back in, dude. You I was were the, the producer of that show. show yeah. yeah, entirely. Mm-hmm. That's one of the things that I think you know. Uh, my buddy Dan Adler 
uh, could probably Danny um, say is like uh, guys like us. We go in and produce and direct the show as well as shoot it and host it. Well, you got when you're a host, dude. That's ultimately what you do. You have to be able to steer it. I mean, they can't be. You can't be like calling people out while you're shooting. You know, they used to have. There was this one time where they tried to throw like they wanted to do this little bit, and I was just like, I'm not doing this bit. We came around the corner, and there was this guy like one of our producers like having a cigarette, and they had set it up where Sean would ask the guy for a cigarette. Yeah, and the guy goes, Yeah, and we're sitting there shooting, and as soon as the guy pulled the cigarette, out, I just took it and broke it in half. I'm like, He don't need a cigarette, dude. And we walked away, and they're like, What are you doing? I go, You know what I'm doing. Let's move on, dude. I did a show, and I lo- I had a great time doing it, but I did a show for Showtime uh, about Amsterdam, and it was it was a lot of setup bits. The funniest parts were the parts that weren't set up. Of course. Any setup bit that a comedy writer comes in. We were talking to someone about doing a show, and they were like, hey, we should have these two writers come in. I was like, no, like the only strength of a writer is, and no, I'm not shitting on writers, is they can write if they can write jokes. A lot of times in like what, what me and you have done, which is that like hosted reality, when you get a writer, they just clumsy it up. Well, let's be honest. What you and I do for stand-up is we go live our life, and then we go report back and bring it to the stage, which is not all comedy writers that's not what they do they create fake scenarios and make them funny for fake for actors but you know for us that's just not what we do man it's it's uh actually the opposite here pull that pull that oh yeah gear yeah um the uh oh thank you the um but you're like you just in the backyard you pulled up that picture you're like here's the thing i you know what i do back in this space like i'd love for you to have a design show but a design show like you're not, you're not, I don't think you could put your interests in design in a box. I don't think that you could be like, yeah, no way. He's the bros, bro. Yeah, yeah. You're, you'd be like, like, uh, almost, like, I don't know, like, like, the fact that you brought me a bottle of wine for the podcast, or the, the first time you came, you brought me that bottle of limoncello. Yeah, like, man. That you have interests that are beyond just being a comic. And it was one of the things when I first started this business, I'm going to stop right here. Tell me about your new special. Because I'm going through the special thing, and that is the first thing. Sure, but on we my can head. get. You know. We'll get back to this. Okay, but cool. I want to know about your new special. It's out October 20th. I don't know when you're going to drop this, but uh, I'll drop it whenever you want me to. It's drop available it. for pre-order anyway. Where is it going to be? It's at my website. Okay. I paid for it. I okay. produced it. Yep. I made the whole thing. Okay, and now I'm releasing it on my site. Can I? Can I? Um, now, are you? Are you allowing people to leak it online? I don't. I mean, I have no idea what the site allows. I don't. I have no idea. I'm gonna put like clips out from the special. I prefer people buy it, yeah, just because I paid for the whole thing, yeah, yeah. But I mean, whatever. However, it gets out there. I want people to see it. So like, if people get it and it gets out there, I still hope that there are other people that like watch it. And like, oh man, I'll go pay the six bucks now because it's six bucks. You know, what yeah. I mean, you got that in change in your car. You know, yeah. So, you know, whatever. What did you name it? Me being me. Because <laughs> it's literally like it's real honest stuff about like you know me rooting for my wife's cancer to go all the way. You know what I mean? Wait, Just, your wife had cancer? A little bit in her foot. I mean, come on, <laughs> you, that's like it's like losing a toenail. You know, a little bit. In no, her I. Foot. That's I'm not trying to be insensitive to anyone that's had to deal with that. But yeah. like you know, I, I a lot of it for me was like you know. I think today, in today's day, like put it this way, let me just give you an example. I had this set for the Tonight Show that I gave them, and the booker wrote me back and was like, dude, I laughed out loud the whole set. I could never air any of this. There was no swearing, but it was like stuff that's like people wouldn't get behind. And I'm looking at it like, 
60% of marriages now are ending in divorce, and it's because we're hiding behind these ideals of what we think a marriage should be. When If we actually get down to like the truth of what marriage is, it's so tough. Like You're a great example, man. You and your wife have such a, a, a strength and a bond, and you put out there, you, are, you never stop being you. You know what I mean? And you never stop like, hey, this is who I am, and this is how our marriage continues to work because you keep being you and you're honest about it. The more we share with the world about how things really are, it helps you survive and it helps other couples be like, oh, good, I'm not the only one. You know what I mean? I think you're right. I think what has happened in this in this business, the way they represent marriage is the way they think that everyone wants their marriage to be Dude. as opposed to what their marriage really is. Yeah. Or like every sitcom is the wife being like, you can't do that. And he's like, oh, she won't let me go. Yeah. Where, where, where is that happening? Anywhere. You have like one out of your 12 guy friends and you're like, dude, what are you doing, bro? I, I was I was saying to someone the other day, I was like, uh, I, I mean, I had a conversation today with my daughters that probably not a lot of ter- parents have. But I was like, hey, have you guys noticed a difference in me in October? And they're like, uh, I was like, not really. I said, because they know I'm doing Sober October. Mm -hmm. They know that Joe wouldn't quit smoking weed. They know that uh, Ari has had problems with not smoking weed. They know that Tom has a sugar addiction. Like, they know things that maybe you shouldn't know. Mm -hmm. and uh, Or that we hide because we don't know what our kids are capable of understanding or when do you expose them to that. Yeah, and they're like, you've been a lot calmer. You don't, like, lose your shit as much. I go, really? And they're like, yeah, like, in the morning sometimes you'll be overwhelmed. But you haven't been overwhelmed. You've been really calm. And I was like, okay. Part of me is like, do I ask the next question? Like, yeah. like this. But the, and then Georgia goes, but you're not as fun at parties. That I is said, hilarious, really dude. Because like, the other night, everyone came over. And uh, and my wife's always one that's like five minutes, everybody. Five minutes and we're all going home. Yeah. Every, everyone came over the other night. And I had done hot yoga, 90 minutes of hot yoga, ran seven miles in the morning, watched some football, college football. Cooked for everyone, and after dinner, I was like, "I'm going to bed." Yeah. Like I'm fucking exhausted. Now, if I was drinking, I probably would have gotten the midnight oil and been like, "Of course, let's, let's all go out to the man cave. Let the kids keep playing." And I literally call five minutes at eleven o'clock. At eleven o'clock, I go, "Everyone's going home." Yeah. And my daughters are like, "Okay." They're like, "We're watching a movie," and I was like, "I'm going either either everyone can go home and I'll go to bed normally, or I can just go to bed and you guys can stay here." My wife's like, "All right, everybody, time to go." Dude, but let me just say the thing that I love the most of what you just said is yeah. you said my kids like you don't lose your shit as much. My son's three. And one time when my, my wife goes out of town a lot for work, so I'm alone with the two kids. And I was like, he had had this meltdown and then I calmed him down. Then he melted down. And I calmed him down. He was just hungry and had to eat. I was trying to get the bath in real quick. And in the bath, he started crying again because I was like, all right, I'm going to take your sister and get her dressed. You stay here. Yeah. And he melted down and I like held his face and I go, what do you want me to do? <laughs> And later on, like I take him out to dinner, and he goes, "Are you are you angry, Dad? Are you mad, Daddy?" And I go, "Get over here." I go, "I'm not mad." I go, "You are make me happy. You're the best things ever happened to me." I'm like, "One thing you got to know about your dad: sometimes he runs a little hot. Sometimes Dad's gonna lose it." That's and my daughters call it firing hot. That's what I mean, dude. If if anyone had said that to me about my dad, and maybe we had just worked it out instead of everyone trying to change everyone, just being like, hey, some people have a little bit of a temper. You can work at it, which I do. But at the same time, it's like, don't take it personal. Now my son comes home with a book the other day from school, and it's got all these different flowers on it, and they all have a different emotion. And he points to the red one, and he goes, that's you, daddy. And it's like the <laughs> anger one. And I was yeah. like, 
hey, that's who I am. Every it's, now it's and then, passion. Bad. We're not beating the fuck out of our kids no. with a two by four, which is what happened when we were children. Mm-hmm. Is those dads that fired hot or drank too much? There was there was no. They were like, and you can hit your kids every now and then. Now we're just like, yeah. Uh, my na- uh, my neighbors heard me um, screaming one time in the house, and they were like, and I came outside. And they were like, hey. They were like standing right there. They were like, hey, is everything okay? And I went, yeah, why? And they're like, whoa, I just heard some screaming. It's, how, like, what's going on? And I said, oh, the girls are camping. I'm just with the animals. And they're like, you were just talking to your animals like that? Yeah. And I was like, yeah, the, no one's in the house. It was just me. But it's not like I'm screaming at them. I'm screaming like, who wants to eat? Yeah. Like, I'm yelling. I'm a loud person. Oh, I, I, my son, no, like, if I go to him now, I go, I'm going to count to three. And that's how I say it, and he starts moving because he—I've never done anything, but he knows. Like if I get stern, that's the way it should be. You shouldn't be yeah. like anyway, whatever. I said, I say, I will say stuff like, "If you want, I can beat the living shit out of you," or we can do it as a joke. Yeah. And if now someone heard that, they'd be like, "Oh my god, this is a horrible parent." It's a fucking joke. Yeah, I have no idea what you consider good or bad, but what I'm saying is I'm, I'm, there I'm, needs to be an explanation to your family of who you are, and we should stop trying to change people instead of like, yeah, obviously some people are out of control, but at the same time, like some things you're like, hey, that's this is what it is, you know? Yeah. You can still be a good parent and have flaws, a lot of flaws. Did you see, I, I think it's, um, I was reading about virtue signaling, signaling last night. Do you know what virtue signaling is? No, but I feel like the door is about to close, and you're like, listen, let me just tell you about what this... I wonder if we're going to be doing that all Good day. Good Lord. They were supposed to come. Do you realize you're getting an in-ground pool, dude? I know. <laughs> Do you know what that is? Do you remember when kids got in-ground pools when you were a kid? I remember <laughs> Rye Young got one. We're like, what? Dude. You get an in-ground pool? You're the first one that appreciated my above-ground pool. <laughs> I remember do. when you guys came over and Any I had that pool. above-ground pool? Yeah. Um. So, this is virtue. I mean, that wasn't even really a pool, though. That was <laughs> I mean, even yeah. for above ground pool standards. Well, that was got, like you know when we just got rid of one that was a, it was twelve by twenty. I saw a, it. It was a fucking beast. How much? I mean, you got to tell me later what that thing cost. Uh, we ended up selling it back online for uh, two thirds of what we bought it for. Amazing, and I just know. collapses, and you can just break yeah, it you down. Can break it down. It was fucking great. Virtuous signaling is the conspicuous expression of moral values done primarily with the intent of enhancing standings within a social group. Okay, so I would have to read that. How bad? Are, how bad is that? We want to shut those doors for me. Are you okay? I'm okay no, with this. No, no, no yeah, I'm fine with it. Yeah, I mean, we're just gonna get. Yeah, um, you leave it a little cracked, but just so it cuts out most. There, yeah, that's perfect. So, uh, guys, that's Halston in the background. Um, Virtue signaling is um, uh, Al Michaels last night. Did you hear what he said? No. Al Michaels last night said, uh, the Giants have had a rough week. They've had a rougher week than Harvey Weinstein. And everyone was outraged. Now, so virtue signaling is... is no, no, it's not that. It's the tweets put, people put out. Oh, uh, Yeah, no way, Al Michaels... Um, how about having some respect for the victim? Like, it wasn't even really a joke. It was a joke saying Harvey Weinstein's had a rough, like, has had a bad week. He's had a really bad week. Yeah. It's been maybe the rough, roughest week we've ever seen anyone have. Other than Bill Cosby, like, in celebrities, I can't imagine someone who's had a, like, Mel Gibson was like, man, that fucking sucks. Yeah. Like, he earned it. He did it on his own. But the fact that people would then put a tweet out going, just so you know, I stand with the victims. And you're like... Yeah, we all do. 
Yeah. None of us are for rape. None of us are for sexual assault. Why are you saying that out loud? That's virtue signaling. When you say something that, so everyone goes, oh, he's one of the good ones. Like, uh, there's this guy, this actor. So you're using someone else's misfortune, fortune to explain switch you're other good, people that you're, yeah, that you're to a explain good you're a good person. Got it's it. basically putting your virtues out that are that are kind of going spoken. Like, uh, hey guys, I'm not for Trump. And you're like, yeah, hey, yeah, we get it. Like a lot of people aren't. Yeah, I'm, I don't like these neo Nazis. None of us do. Why the fuck are you telling us that? Yeah, you're, by you saying that, I think neo Nazis have a problem with neo Nazis. <laughs> like, so I'm obsessed with virtue signaling. I don't know where this came in this conversation, but I'm obsessed with virtue signaling because it's the thing that drives me nuts online. There was this guy who uh, booked a Woody Allen movie. I don't know his name. I'm not going to say his name because I don't. He think he wants me to. Say, he's an actor. And, and then someone said, oh, that's cool if you support someone who... No. This is quite the opposite. He shot the movie. Uh-huh. It's in the can. And then he, he booked the movie, shot it, rapped, and then I think it's coming out now. And he came out and said, just so you know, I think Woody, I think what Woody Allen might have done is horrible. And that gave this big rant about he believes that... Uh, he molested his children. He he's not a, he's not for molestation. And it was like everyone's like, dude, <laughs> are you what? Pro- Who is ever gonna be like, hey man? I just gotta be honest with you. I'm pro molestation, dude. Yeah. Well, there's there are the, the, okay. That's a that's a really interesting subject because there was a movie that ja- that came out with Army Ar- Arnie Hammer. Army Ham Arnie Hammer. I have no idea. Okay. By the way, I I'm online way too much. You are online a lot. Arnie ha- Arnie Army Hammer. I think is his name. Uh, he. Should I know him, or are you just He's saying like he that? played? He played the Lone Ranger. With, okay, when Johnny Depp played, when Johnny Depp uh, uh, culturally assaulted Native Americans and played Tonto. Yeah, and played Tonto. Yeah. Uh, by the way, this is such a fucking. Did you just tangled vir- did you just virtue? I think I might have. I think you I think just I did I it right there. Yeah. This is such a tangled necklace in liberal morals right now. I don't know where we are. I'm man. getting lost. So, Army Arnie Hammer, Army Hammer, whatever his fucking name is, Army Hammer said. Um, did a movie where he played a 20... By the way, I don't know the facts, so I'm just rounding them off. Mm-hmm. Played like a 20-year-old guy who had an affair with a 17-year-old boy, which is rape. Uh, it is rape. It is what Milo Yiannopoulos said is natural in homosexual relationships. Mm-hmm. Milo, Milo Yiannopoulos said this is natural. Uh, everyone tore him down. Arnie Hammer did the same thing in this movie. James Wood tore him down. Then uh, David Cross's girlfriend then attacked James Woods and said, you tried to fuck me when I was 17. You've been doing it your whole life. And it's just this cyclical thing of like, ultimately. But then isn't it like if you're in high school and your girlfriend's 17 and you're 18, you have sex, then is that considered rape? Yeah. Okay. That is rape. By the way, that happened a lot when I was growing up. It's like a 16-year-old girl would date a 21-year-old guy. And everyone was cool with it. I remember when I was 16 being like, I don't think she should be dating him. Like, Can't, Isn't it like fine if your parents say, if your parents give consent? If your parents give consent, I guess it is. I think it is because I, I remember like hearing something like about marriage at that point. Like you need to get like people to like, if you want to get married and you were like 17 and the person was like 19 or something like that. At 18, I never dated any. Oh, no, I'm no, I did. I did. At 18, I dated a six, a 15 year old. Yeah. Right? No. Yeah. At 18, my girlfriend was a freshman in high school. Right? 
I mean, you could be 18 as a senior and she could be 15 as a sophomore. Or Is she a fucking freshman? Or a freshman. Yeah, she was a freshman. And no, 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 no. She was a sophomore. She was 16. I was 18. 18. Because she came to Florida State when she and she was the hottest chick at Florida State and everyone was like everyone was going after her and, and we were we were still friends. We're still friends to this day. She's still she's actually even more beautiful today than she was then. Um but but it <laughs> I don't know where this goes. This goes into this this like outrage of going like, yo, people are just saying the things that like and the other thing that's driving me nuts, and I don't know why I got on this subject, but is like these people who do news like go on junkets, press junkets when they don't really have a dog in the fight. They're just virtue signaling. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, well, that's the other problem with like social media now and all this stuff is that people need to get involved in one thing so that they can they don't want to be left out of any conversation. Yeah. Like the James Corbin thing. Did you see that? No. Jay, what do you do with your days? I what you, you don't want, just you want to know my day? day? Yeah. No, this is Walk my day. Your day. I get up at seven, okay, because the the youngest gets up, yeah. and either my wife takes her or I'll take her, and then what's that? Oh, uh, just takes her like like into the yeah. living room oh, and like right. hangs I never, out. I can't remember. I remember those I mean, days. Yeah, that's a long time. How ago. How old's your youngest? She's two. And then oh. so then like this morning she got up with her, and then at seven thirty I hear like my son's up now. So then I get up, I go in the room, I go, I make breakfast. We all hang out till eight thirty. That's usually when the nanny gets there. Yeah. Then I'll shower or not shower, go down the hill to my office and start working. And then if it's school days, I'll drop him at school, and then I'll come back, pick him up at twelve thirty, go back, go back to the office, get home at five thirty. I make dinner. Then from 5.30 to 6.30 is eating dinner and stuff. 6.30, we go for a walk around the neighborhood, come home. Then it's 7. Then it's quick bath. Then it's the two-year-old down. Then it's him down by 8. And then I usually leave for a show. Good God. And then I get home from the show around like 10.30 or 11. And I crash, dude. I don't watch. We don't. I haven't watched like TV. And I never go. Like, I, you should. You see my Twitter. I have 18 thousand twitter followers it's yeah. not like i'm super involved i'm not like it's just like i'm trying to you know i've always tried to like write and create shows so i go to my office every day trying to create stuff i can't even keep up like i don't even know what i think of a tweet and i'm like nah it's not that good and then i just leave it really i'll check cnn espn on online that's it and really then, and oh then see I, that's my problem is i come back to the man cave i start to write and then i get on to some chat. I wish I could. Amber Tamberlin is uh, David Cross's wife. Okay. Um, wife, wife, wife. But let me just say this. You and Rogan are like those kind of guys that have the ability to like do so much stuff. You know what I mean? And do I am like super compartmentalized. Like I can't like start a project in my garage to build something and then just leave it for like four days and go back to it. I oh, take one to- day and it's done. Yeah. I go to the office and I'm just like, I can't start writing and then go do something else. I just can't. Oh, like, I like that. It's like plate spinning. Yeah. I, I mean, I can spin other plates like at home, like when I'm cooking and getting the kids to bed and putting on records and doing all that. But when it comes to like, oh, I love doing being creative. Bits. I love doing oh. bits. Like right now, I'm plate spinning a bit uh, about how America hates poor people because that is that it's it's convoluted so into race. Funny, dude. That, that people think it's race. Yeah. What I'll, I'll tell you, I'll, I'll, I'm not going to tell you. Uh, the, we're not going to run the bit by you, but I'll tell you what started it, which I which I found fascinating. And by the way, sometimes I, f- I think that stand up these days isn't so much about. I love a premise. Um, I like a, a slow revealed premise. I like a, something that starts out. And I have to say this. Maybe one of the best st- st- 
stories. I, I mean, I have like a handful of best stories I've ever heard. The, one of the best ones is your Conan bit. Yeah, the, thanks, fucking, man. It's one of the that best. wrong number story. It's the best. It's my machine, dude. It's the best. It, it, it's just such a slow. I love your pacing in it. Yeah, I love your lines. I, I wish I have. I have wanted to steal your line in there. Every time I tell a story, let me guess. Go ahead. That's why we play the game. That's why we play the game. Yeah, a couple of people love that. I love that line too because it's like I look at life like it's a game. I know you do too. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Jesus yeah. Christ, that's, that's what we why do, we man. Play the game. Um, but uh, the premise is Georgia. We played a, a softball team. Georgia's team played a softball team that was way up in Van Nuys. Mm-hmm. And uh, I should really whisper this, but uh, she gets in, they were really aggressive. They were stealing home. Literally, the coach was like. When they walk you, run to second, run to third. just th- And let them th- – they'll try to throw it to you. They're going to throw an error, and then we'll just score. I mean, you can only score five runs in an inning. Uh-huh. This coach was – the first five kids up would all score. Damn. And they were really aggressive. So Georgia gets in the car. She's just – Georgia's super sweet. Not like Isla, who's a little more aggressive. Uh-huh. Georgia's super sweet, staring out the window. And I can see her just chewing on something. I go, baby, what's up? And she goes, Daddy, I, I don't – I think I don't like Mexicans. Because they were all Mexican. I go, oh, oh no, baby, you don't like poor people. <laughs> I go, that's Shut what it is. Up. They're poor. That's what you're disliking is their socioeconomic class. You're confusing that with their skin color because you're not. You're too young. You're not insightful enough. But that's. I don't know if it's about age. There's tons of people that still make that mistake. You know, we always lump people together. Yeah. Oh, oh, a hundred percent. But why you're that's saying what America? America does that. Yeah. America does that consistently. And I go, what you're, what you don't see. Is stuff I see. Like, I see the way that Coach is dressed. I see that he's got a really aggressive um, protector on his phone, like an Otterbox. That means that phone's very valuable to him. You see, I don't have a case on my phone, because if I break it, I'll buy a new one. But that coach, if he breaks it, he's fucked. Yeah. So, like, you, and I'm trying to whittle apart. And then or that my, guy just values a dollar. Yeah, yeah, and, 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 he, and he puts that on those children. The only opportunity some of these kids will have to go to college is to get a scholarship. That's the truth. And that's why they are hustling. And you, and it's a flaw in our society is that you don't have that stress on you. You know, I started a college fund for you fucking eight years ago. Like, if you decide to go to college, then that money's waiting for you. Like, so you don't, you don't, softball is just a fun thing for you. It's not like a means to an end for some, as it is for some kids. Yeah. Uh, So I, I witnessed that experience and then I go, okay, that's not formed yet. So instead of sitting and beating myself up and writing it and writing it and writing it, what I do is I keep it in my as a spinning plate, and then every softball game I go to, like the one yesterday, I start rewriting oh, it again. Yeah, I and hear I just, that. And I just go, oh, yeah, let's work on that bit. Well, dude, some of the best jokes I have is like, dude, what was that joke I worked on two years ago that never turned into anything? And then I bring it back. I was literally on the way here, was just thinking about it, because I'm driving here, and some dude just like pulls into my lane, no directional, and I want to be like, hey, man, you don't just pull. This is my lane, dude. I let you in. Yeah. You ask by putting on a directional, and then I decide. If I have the room or the spacing, then I let you in. It's the same as way when I get to a four-way stop. If I'm there first, don't be waving me, dude. Yeah. I'm the one in charge here. You just got here. I'll tell you you can go. You don't pull up <laughs> when I'm already there and say, go ahead, because you're going to roll through that stop. Yeah. Stop your stop, dude. I saw a Russian guy pulling out of uh, John's up on uh, Magnolia. Look at you. you. Talk about freaking racially or economically profiling <laughs> just because the guy pulled out of John's and not Vaughn's. 
And now he's Russian? How is he Russian all of a sudden? All that hangs out of John's is all... It is... I will even stereotype it even more. It is Russian people who have small businesses that have, like, restaurants because that's where they do all their produce shopping. Oh, really? Every time I've been in line, there is someone buying buying fucking uh, 20 pounds of onions, 20 pounds of radishes... Like and I'm always like motherfucker. Can we just get rid of radishes? What are you putting radish in anything? No idea. Decorating a plate at Denny's. Same with parsley. What are you putting parsley? Who? Uh, yeah, outside of a meatball. Once I fell in, a while? in love with radishes when I was in Russia. <laughs> For what? I think they pickle them and they're really good. Yeah, maybe pickled. Anything's good pickled. So this guy pulls out, and I'm, by the way, I'm also profiling his look. Okay, of course. He has a Tom Segura tank top on. Tom buys the cheap tank tops at Target that have the G7, you know, that little... No. I don't own a tank top. Uh, yeah. Tom owns a lot of them. I see them in them every fucking day. And he wears them underneath the shirts he's wearing? He wears them everywhere. Like, what does he think? It's 1950s Brooklyn? I think he covers up his shoulder hair with them. That's not... Co- I've seen... He's not covering up that shoulder hair. <laughs> and so, the guy's wearing Tom's tank top. He's got a full head of hair, black hair, just, and he's in a he's in like a... A little bit of a tricked out, smaller uh, Mercedes SUV. And he's trying to get out onto Magnolia to take a left. And this little, little like bug of a, you know, those little Fiats, those little little baby blue Fiat pulls up and blocks it. Typical, by the way, I am not virtue signaling. I think I'm being sexist right now. Typical woman behavior. Be completely oblivious that there is someone trying to turn left and just blocks him. It was a woman. My wife does it all the time. That's why I'm clumping all women in this. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm sure there are a lot of men that do it, but I see that as women have never had physical confrontation sometimes with like uh, the fact that a fist fight could break out. Yes. So they just see it, and then they're like, what? Like My wife will, ch- uh, will gridlock and go, what? It was my turn. And I go, no, that's not how it works. Because I know that the fist fight might break out, I won't gridlock. Yeah. You know that no one's going to beat, come out and beat you the fuck out of you. She blocks him, and he's, I see him getting angry. And he's looking at me going, fuck, now this is the guy that's got to let me in. And it's, I'm, now I'm asking the guy behind to let me in. I look at him, and I wave him. I'm, by, I'm not being cool, but I go like this. And then the woman takes her time and says something to him. He reaches into his car, pulls out a Gatorade bottle, and throws it at her car. Yikes. And it goes into her window. <laughs> I mean, that's how you send the message. She, he pulls out, and then she does a U-turn and starts chasing him. And I'm thinking, best case scenario, what happens? Like, yeah. You have not thought this through. Maybe she's getting a license plate. Ooh. That's so funny. I thought physical confrontation immediately. <laughs> the only reason I know is because I had a guy throw a can at me one time. And I called the cops, and I think I go. I think this guy just assaulted me. And they go, "What happened?" I go, "He threw a he threw a can at me at my car." And they go, "Why don't you just keep driving?" And I was like, "All right." I had a guy. I had two interactions when I was younger that I always wanted to turn into bits, but never they never materialized for whatever reason. One was I was pulling out of Crunch uh, on across from the Holly, uh, oh boy. the Laugh Factory, uh-huh. but I was pulling onto the side street, not on the Sunset, the side street. I was pulling out, and a van was, uh, like a minivan, was pulling out, and he blocked me. And I went, ugh, and I honked at him, and he started yelling at me. And I I said to him, I can't hear you, because his windows were up. And so he rolled his windows down and tried to spit on my car and spit all on me inside of his car. Shut up. I could not stop laughing. And he just got so incensed that he spit all over his own car. Yeah. Like, clearly he wasn't a spitter. The other one was, I was on... uh, 
I was on La Brea going up to Franklin mm-hmm. over by there used to be a, a little bar on the left that also there was an ice cream shop that sold so sold rose petaled vanilla ice cream. I mean, look at the two things you just outed yourself at. <laughs> this is bar and an ice cream shop. I mean, it's just gold. So, uh, and a guy was I cut a guy off and I didn't realize he did it, and he pulled up next to me and started yelling at me while my window was up, and I did the same thing. I can't hear you, and then he kept yelling, and then I said, well, wait one second, and I gave him the sign like I wanted to order my check. I go, can I get my check? And he went, huh? And I took off. What? I don't know. What did that mean? It was the only thing I knew how to communicate silently to somebody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that and choking. I'm choking. Like, yeah. I just went, can I get my check? And I always wanted that to be a bit, but it was too like, it was too like, um, you remember when we were younger and we, I, felt like, I felt like we were all writing bits that could very easily slide into Dane's act? So, yeah. Did you ever do that? Like, Well, I mean, the first night I did stand-up, Dane closed that show. That was the first time I ever saw Dane Cook, and I was just like, oh, my God. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I was just like, immediately, I was like super influenced by him when I was early on. All of us were. Yeah. So it was- For like, everyone that shit on Dane, I always find it. But you had an, you had an ability to straddle two sides of the fence, in my opinion. What do you mean? Like, you, always, you were always really good friends with a lot of, like, more alt comics, and you did a lot of, I think that was one of the, one of- like you, even Segura was like that. Yeah. Like you guys had a, a. Well, I never really, um, I never like saw any. I mean, you got to think of it like this. In high school, I was in the marching band. I was also on the baseball team and the soccer team. You know what I mean? So like, I've always been like with nerdy kids, cool kids, whatever. Yeah. I, it never really mattered to me. And I always saw my stand up as like. I just wanted to make people laugh. I didn't care where I had the chance to do it. So I didn't know any yeah. better except to just like go wherever I could do to get get stage time. Did you see that? Did you see that? Like you're I always say you Segura Sickler um you Segura and Sickler are the only ones I can think of right off the top. Maybe even Fultron. Full charge for sure. We're all like a class below me age-wise. So you're yeah. just younger than me. I think we're all at the same level, but like you guys were just younger than me. So you, my influences or my um my my peer group the guys i started with were all either alt or regular comic you either did the clubs or you did the alt 100 percent, yeah did you ever see because i couldn't see it so much in my peer group would you ever look like the guys my age and go oh they're they're shooting they're biting they're cutting their nose off spite their face when it comes to comedy and they're just applying to their either in regular comics or alt comics do you ever see that where they're like, like an alt comic, you're like, oh, he'll never be able to work both rooms? Yeah, of course. Well, I mean, I used to see all the time, but like when I started, the only way to get stage time was I create started my own room. You know what I mean? Like what I have room my did own you room. Have? World Cafe in Santa Monica. Oh, I never. So did like, that. and that was like what I started doing was I saw dudes that I love, like Sebastian and Ernst and stuff like that, and I would invite and Pepitone, and I'd be like, come do my room. And then I got past the store, so I was always at the store. And then I would like, and then I became boys with Swartzen, and he would take me out a little bit, and he would take me to Largo and like Comedy Death Ray. So I was doing like super alt rooms, and my comedy was working there. But then I was also doing clubs, like doing road work. Like I got to open for you. Remember I opened for you in Miami? Oh uh, yeah, we have that that picture that still out there. This photo, man, I was like forty pounds lighter. Um, Were you really? Yeah, I bet I was too. I bet. Yeah. Oh, that was a fun weekend. Oh my god! We hung out with that really beautiful couple. You remember them? No, I, I do. I mean, there's a lot of things I don't remember. I remember that couple. They were both, both doctors, and they lived down in the Grove. And they they they're like, we come to all your shows, and I was like, really? 
I was like, I've only seen you once. I definitely remember you two. You're both gorgeous. Yeah. <laughs> the um, but but what was the like? I th- I th- I think that's part of why I love that story so much. And Gary Goldman once said this to me. I mean, well, there's another one who's like one straddles the- that line, and like I don't think gets enough respect in that all community of like how good Gary Goldman is because he is because he's the Jewish hammer. He's the fucking. He's the Adonis. He is, and, and he's squeaky clean. And he and he played football at BC, like started and yeah. played football. He is a bro. He's a hardcore bro. He doesn't mind raising his voice at you or challenging you as a man. Mm-hmm. He doesn't have a problem going, hey, man, if you're going to talk to me like that, then that means we might fight. So if you're ready to fight, and there's a lot of guys that are like, wait, what are you talking about fight? I get to tell you you're a piece of shit and walk away. Yeah. And Gary's like, no, nah, man, that's not how that's I grew not how up. That's how it goes. And, that, that, and I think Gary grew up as a man, but one of the things he said that I always took as a huge compliment that I think applies distinctly to you is that our styles are very much uh, mine less than yours. Mine a lot less than yours, but like are very straddly in that we like those stories. We like to slow our pacing down. We like to kill. We like to go up and destroy and have a great set, but we also don't mind taking our time with a bit and going, this isn't what uh, bro comics do, but we enjoy this also. Oh, well, for me, it was always this, dude. I never liked comedy that was like, here comes the punchline. You know what I mean? I always liked the little subtle joke that like eight people would laugh at, and you'd be like, and you'd look at those eight people like, you, 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 I love that you know why that's funny. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, because then, like, a lot of times when you do alt rooms, those are the jokes that crush. And when you do, like, clubs across the country, people don't get those because they're used to watching, like, Big Bang Theory or something like that where, like, it's just hit over the head every punchline. Yeah. So I love – that's why I love long stories because you can, like, throw in these little tiny things where people allow their own sense of humor to dictate what they think is funny instead of, like, what the person on stage's sense of humor is. Like, if you're open to the idea that, like, oh, a joke could exist in a whisper, a joke can exist yeah. in a movement, and it's not like they're not trying to sell the punchline. You know what I mean? I would argue that your that's why we play the game Yeah, is, and this is my analogy of that, it's a foie gras slider. Like, what it is, <laughs> what it is, is, is it is the nuance... That makes us love really great comedy, but you set it up in an analogy that all the bros are going to get, but they don't get that they've just gotten a little bit of like uh, a little bit of layered comedy, a little bit of like sure. I didn't ham you over the head with it. I gave you some. Bill Burr does it beautifully. Like Bill Burr, uh, one time, I-, I forget the bit he did. One of my favorite Bill Burr bits, no questions asked, is. When he talked about adopting... Uh, of course, dude. The dog? No, 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 no. I don't know that one. But uh, You don't know that one about his, when his wife like adopts the dog and he's out of town and he, she goes, I got the dog. And he goes, what are you talking about? And he goes, she goes yeah. And she like pans the like the FaceTime camera and it's like a, he goes, there's a pit bull in the corner. He's like shadow box and his front paws are taped up. <laughs> and he's like, what? You got a pit bull? She goes, she goes, it's a mix. And he goes, mix with what? Another fucking pit bull? And he goes, I'm, and she goes, well, when you come home, when you come home from the trip, the, 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 you know, the dog will be there. And he's like, to the fuck he will. You're going to be there and we're going to walk in the house. Me, then you. It goes, he needs to know the order of operation around the house. It's just fucking, it's unbelievable. Do you realize I, I had been doing comedy. Why? That's how good a joke is. When someone else can tell you a Bill Burr joke and you're, and just, you're losing just fucking it. dying. He goes, he goes, what? He goes I'm going to adopt wait, this wait, dog. Me? Then 
you. Yeah. And then he goes, uh, he goes, I'm going to fucking wake up in the middle of the night. He goes, I'm going to come home late one night. It's going to be like two in the morning. And the, and that's going to be the exact time the, the previous owner used to beat him. And the dog's going to be like, no, fuck this, man. I'm not taking this shit anymore. And I'm going to come in. It's going to latch on my fucking neck. And he talks about a toaster or something. Is he talking about a toaster? Uh, I don't know. I I remember. I remember. No, the bit I liked that he did, and I will not. I'm not good at repeating other people's bits. I always fuck them up. But the bit he did that I loved was, uh, I want to adopt. I want to adopt. I'm going to adopt kids. I'm not going to have kids. I'm going to adopt kids. I'm going to get one that works in a sweatshop, and I'm going to get myself a boy soldier. Oh my god. <laughs> you never heard this bit? No. Why I love it is that he does it's what I want to do in this special that I'm not doing enough of, quite honestly. And I don't think I think one thing that I will say Sober October has given me is um a little perspective of how lazy I am as a comic. In that I write a lot and I turn over material very quickly. But you let it come to you instead of go get it. Uh, yeah, and I also don't I don't um I don't need like massage the material. I don't get inside the bit and go what what what's something new we can do in here bill when if you watch his specials the progression he does the things he like he does this i guess what young comics would call as an act out um i don't call it i an act. hate these terms that i'm like what did you take a class like no, they just watch sebastian yeah and they're like they're like I, I, there's a couple comics i really like that i liked when i first saw and then they clearly saw sebastian just destroying with like simplicity like going like I watch this guy sweeping a floor and you just like and you watch Sebastian do it and you're dying laughing but then you watch them do it and you're like they're like my dad walked into the room and they're like kick a door and get out and you're like like hey look like did, Sebastian didn't always used to be so damn physical though I don't remember him when he wasn't yeah maybe I mean maybe just cuz I saw him in like smaller spaces and stuff but um but what Bill does that I love is that he goes uh he does a he does a an act out, I guess, where he talks to the to the to the son he has that worked in the in the factory, mm-hmm. and he's like, "Hey, listen, it's time for bed." No, no, I understand. Like he has the conversation, and by the way, I, I'm gonna do. I'm gonna probably end up emulating this almost entirely now because I love it so much. Mm-hmm. But I go, he has the conversation with his kid, and he and he goes, uh, "No, no, no. Yeah, I understand." Yeah, you guys don't play by the same rules. I get it. Listen, he's got tel- 12 confirmed kills. Like, the guy, yeah, I know. He scares the fuck out of me, too, with the fucking eyebrows. And he talks about his boy soldier kid. And then he goes, oh, hey, buddy, didn't see you in the bushes. But it's such a great <laughs> act out of a bit where he talks to the kids, but you only hear his side of the conversation. Yeah. And it's it's so brilliant. It's, I, I would almost, it's a Patrice thing. Patrice used to make you tell the punchline in your head. Like, he would... Say the thing that he that. W- wanted you to say in your head, and yeah. it was I, it was just it was brilliant. I, I I could sense when people were doing versions of Patrice. I didn't see that in Bill. Yeah, I don't I, think I, that's I could, like something you can learn though. I think like you get up there and you just connect with an audience and you try and like create a relationship that's like happening just you know instinctually. Yeah, you know, Patrice was so good at. Um, At making you say the punchline. Yeah. I don't do that in any of my jokes. I can't remember he goes, did you ever hear the joke you did about uh, Jorn Vandersloot? I, I mean, I met Patrice one time, and I remember he was hosting. Oh. He was hosting, and he came up to me, and he was the nicest, 
Really? Dude, to me, I couldn't. That's why, like, I only met him one time, and it was at Stand Up New York. And I was in New York, and he was hosting. He came up to me, and I just moved there from LA. And he was super nice. He's like, hey, man. And, like, you know, said what's up, asked me for like what my intro was. And like, I was like, oh man, this dude's the nicest guy of all time. And I was watching him like murder and just doing whatever he wanted. He had a joke about you on Bandersloot. He goes, they don't, man, the problem is they don't care about uh, uh, people of color. No one does. He goes, think, look at, uh, he goes, look at how, and he points to this black chick in the front row. He goes, how long do you think they're going to look for you, Diana Ross? He goes, how long? <laughs> like a day, a day maybe. He goes, look at Jorn Vandersloot. He killed that one girl in Aruba. What's that? And everyone goes, Natalie Holloway. He goes, yeah, right. He killed her. And then he went out to Brazil and he killed that uh, that girl. What was the name of that girl? And he goes, exactly. exactly. <laughs> and it was just so great that he allowed, like, he'd take you to the water, have you drink the water, and then point out. Yeah. I bet someone t- texted me the other day. They're like, hey, uh, I love that you quit drinking in October. How about doing a podcast where you don't obsess about comedy? And I go, that's all I fucking care about. This is my passion. You do. I love, dude, I love when you, I, like when I, when your bit came across my computer screen, probably like five, ten times, I watched it every time. Yeah, well, I mean, the, yeah, thanks, man. I appreciate that. Well, that's the thing about good. That's the only thing where we get that bad rap against musicians, where they can play the same album for forty years and oh, everyone talk, still goes you're nuts. Talking about a guy that's told the same story for fucking five years. Yeah, <laughs> I tell the story every show. I tell it every show because I have a feeling. I, I believe this. If I saw you, if I saw you doing stand up at the store, and uh, and I was walking by and I watched a bit, and I was like, oh, cool. I like what he's working on. I probably wouldn't stick around to watch your set because I'm afraid it would influence what I'm working on. Uh-huh. Um, but if I heard you say, uh, start that bit, I wouldn't leave. Yeah. And, there, and and I say that. I had this conversation with Rogan the other day because he's like, you need to stop telling the machine. I said, hold on. You're Joe Rogan. You've had 25 years of massive success in this business. And you are arguably one of the top 13 biggest comics in the world. I only say 13 because you got a Chris Rock, Chappelle, Seinfeld, like Sebastian, 13's a fair, Russell Peters. Sure. Um, And I go, I'm not. I'm just now selling out all my shows. I'm just now to the place where I don't have to do press and stuff like that. And a lot of those people have found me through this one story. I want to show them an hour of original stuff that they haven't seen on my specials. But I also understand there's one thing that they found me on. And if they brought 10 people, which is usually the case, I'll get one guy that was a fan, and then he sends that story around, and he has a group of 12. If he if they came to hear that one story, I'm telling it. Yeah. I'm telling it. This year, I'm telling it. This year. Next year, when this next hour special is out, I'm done. And I, and, and that's why I'm doing going to theaters, because I think I did this theater tour in Australia, and I was like, I liked that I could do an hour 10 of original material. And then do an encore and, and tell the machine story. And I it mean, was one show. You're doing encores, dude. You know the first dude I ever saw do an encore? Uh, no. John Panette. Really? You remember John Panette? Fuck yes. Dude, first of all, let me just say this. So in my new special, I have a story at the end. Two stories. I close on two stories back to back. One's nine minutes. One's ten minutes. And the the nine minute is about me buying a dildo for me and my wife like to like try something new yeah and it's my favorite joke it's murder fest and it's fun and it's like again it's another thing about marriage like hey how do you like how do you keep sex to be something that's like new and exciting so like you you try things that are like way out of my element yeah 
and uh you know and i love it so that's that's for me is my new like and it's way more adult than the wrong number story it's like this dildo story is like something for me that i'm like okay i wanted to like come up like because for me and i'm sure you're going through it too is that wrong number story became the thing that like people like well what can you do now like are you going to come up with are you going to like if you're a storyteller are you going to have a story that's better than that wrong number story maybe not but you want to give them like hey you're going to try like storytelling not not try check this out like here's another story that i put myself through to for you people you know what i mean it's like we go out and do these things for people so that we can come back you know um but dude i got a chance to open for panette and they, they were like I, I'm just like, I had never seen the stand-up. I just knew him from the last episode of Seinfeld because I was such a Seinfeld head. Oh, yeah. I was never a stand-up fan before stand-up. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, yeah. So I was like one of yeah, those guys. I was guys. that way, too. I didn't know who Bill Hicks was. I didn't know who I didn't know who Burr was until I was seven years into comedy. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I didn't know any of these people. So I opened for Panette. I'm like, oh, it's going to be all fat jokes, you know, whatever. <laughs> yeah. And I watched him. First of all, it was at a theater, 1,700 people, sold out. I go... uh all right, I'm going to go up there. We're starting. And he goes, all right, let's go. And I go, I go, oh, you're going to come up? He goes, yeah, well, who's going to introduce you? And I'm like, oh, you're going to introduce me? And he goes, yeah. And I was like, Jesus, what a class act. You know what I mean? Yeah. He introduces me from the God Mike, says to everyone, hey, everybody, it's John. And the place goes nuts. Yeah. And he's like, uh, how's everyone doing tonight? Blah, blah, blah. And he goes, before I come out, I'll be out in a little bit. I got a great friend who's here with me. Gave me the most genuine like introduction of all time. And then I went out, had a great set, and then I sat backstage and watched him just annihilate. Yeah. Not and his perspective on like fat was just different than anyone I've ever seen. Yeah. He finishes, comes off, and I'm backstage and I'm like, dude, that was insane. I go, You want me to like say goodnight to everybody? He goes, Nah, nah, give him a second, I'm gonna go back out. And I go, well, You're going back out? He goes, Yeah. And then he went back out and like did the hits and I just was like, Holy shit, I'd never seen that. That's what a I, I believe that's what a comedy show should be. I mean, in my opinion, like if I watch Ron White, I really well, want to see Tater Salad. Yeah, I really like. I'm being I'm being real. I'll pay an extra thirty bucks if he tells it. Yeah, like I, I want to hear him tell the bit. I want to hear him. You know, for me, what I do is I tell the machine story a little different every time. Mm-hmm. I add things that I didn't add to the original story. There's there's obviously you're going to tell it for one more year after you've told it on your special. There are going to be new parts that that kill even harder than you're like oh, where where was this fucking four years ago. But for the most part, I do believe, uh, I do believe I'm, I believe I'm not, I'm, I'm writing an hour of material. I'm working on the next special. I'm going to, I think I'm going to get rid of it and not tell it, uh, in this coming tours Mm -hmm. only because I'm, I need a closer. I need to find a closer. Yeah. I need to have a closer, something that I'm solid with. And I go, thank you. Good night. And I can get a standing ovation on that. Yeah. But, uh. But yeah, I don't know. I'm just, I I feel perspective wise, I just feel very blessed that anyone anyone wants to hear anything that I'm doing. Of course. So that I go, I go. Okay, if you like that, then of course I'll do it. Why wouldn't I do it? That would be short sighted of me not to do it. Um, and I and I think that is you know it's it's also that's my perspective. The same way Bill and Louis said, "Hey, we're going to write a new hour every year," and everyone's like, "What are you fucking crazy?" And people there are people that didn't, there are people that go, "Hey, you don't ever repeat a bit." And I go, "I don't know." You can do it that way. I'm going to do it my way. Yeah, for I'm going to sure, do it my man. way and go. I'm cool with my way. Um, and I'd be yeah, the, but it would. But I also think that me and you have bits. And by the way, I don't. If you're a comic, you listen to this, and you're getting offended by this. I apologize. But I believe we have bits that stamped us into uh, this social media, 
collective unconscious. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I believe that this is going to sound really, uh, I don't know, maybe I'm, maybe I'm misstaying this, but I believe that like, I don't know. I, I shouldn't say anything, but I think that they're like, because <laughs> it's like, just like, we're different than Dave Chappelle. Like Dave Chappelle, everything he does is of that quality. Yeah. Like everything he does for everyone watching him, there is a, a preciousness to it. Every word he says, there's a preciousness to. With us, we were fucking jobbers. We were journeymen. Yeah. For and then sure. we got a bit that everyone found and we go, yeah, 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 yeah. I am that guy. I also can do all this other shit. Yeah. I want you to appreciate the other shit and like it, but I'm not going to force feed it to you. I'm not going to go, no, 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 no. I got fucking, uh, you don't know who the fuck you're talking to. I'm a fucking, I'm just as, uh, look, I'm not as good as Chappelle. I'm Burt Kreischer. I can do what I do. And and by the way, I want you to have a great time. I want you, that's, I don't know. I'm overthinking this. All I know is that Chris Porter was like, he was like, you know, I watched you do the machine story. He's like, I, first I was like, I think you should get rid of it. But then I watched him go crazy when you said, when I was 22, I got involved with the Russian Mafia. The place goes fucking bananas when I say that. And he goes, and then I thought, why don't I do a couple of bits when they're dropping the checks? Why don't I do some greatest hits, some bits? So he went on stage and he's like, he's like, they're dropping the checks. You know, is there anything anyone would like to hear? And someone goes, Doritos. And he's like, huh? Or Taco Bell, Taco Bell. And he was like, uh, okay. And he didn't remember how it went. And he kind of muddled through it and it fucking murdered. That's dope. But I don't know. I'm overthinking it. Yeah, well, every, you know, it's just like parenting, dude. You look at your kids. You parent one kid differently than you do the other one because they're different people. It's like comedians are the same way with their materials. One comic, the way he handles his stand-up is going to be different than how another one does. Yeah, like Segura barely writes his and the performance is low grade. So it's (laughs) And and people really react to it. And you're like, what is this? You know? But, you know, I've been just trying to do way more crowd work, dude. I, I crush it crowd work, and I love it. Yeah. And it's like, I just, I love doing it now because I've always loved it. But then, like, you know, when you're putting specials out, you can't be, like, in my special, I don't have any crowd work. When I did my half-hour special, there's, like, I do, like, an interactive portion where, like, I ask looking for questions because then I use those to, like, work off of. And now I'm like, man, I just, like, like Todd Barry did that whole crowd work the crowd hour. Work tour, yeah. And I'm like, man, like... You know, when Big J had his show, and I'm like, oh, man, I love that. So it's like, you know, you just you should always be evolving. You know, but that you was, be I think something. That, that's a very natural tendency for guys like me and you because I think me and you are guys that can go up. I, I, I feel like I, I, I felt handicapped when I did my first special. So I was like, I was like, I'm not going to talk to anybody. That's how I do comedy. It's more interactive. Well, that's what stand-up is supposed to be. It's supposed to be live. You're supposed to be in the room. It's supposed to be whatever's happening in that room is happening, and you have your jokes in, as a part of it. You know? Yeah, me monologuing for an hour, I didn't think was as good as me doing stand-up. Monologuing. Like, just going, my name's Bert. I know what you're thinking. Ha, ha, ha. Funny about, oh, oh, Bert, Bert, or whatever. Yeah. And, and, oh, next one. Next one. Next one. I remember at one point going, I should break this up by saying something to somebody, but I didn't. No, you can't. No. Oh, you can. I mean, it all depends on what it is. Yeah, you can move that mic around I'm as gonna, much as you need I'm to. I'm gonna move this right um, now. But, uh, but yeah. So, so where did you film your special? The El Rey. Oh, nice. Yeah, I wanted something like big and like, you know, somewhat iconic. You know, the El Rey, dude. I remember the first time I walked in there. You know, like those those venues when you go see a live. Like I only saw music there, and every time I went in there, I was like, man, this place is just so awesome. The Wiltern. The Wiltern. You know, that place blew me away, dude. 
And what, it's called the Wiltern because it's on the corner of Wilcox and... And Wiltern. No, it's on no. the corner of... Isn't that Wiltern? Wait, no, no. I'm thinking of the wrong theater. What's the theater that's a little more towards Koreatown? Yeah, that's, that's the Wiltern. But it's on the corner of Wilcox... Wilshire and Wilcox? Wilshire and Turn. Something Turn. Oh, really? Yeah, Will Turn. It's the two... Western. Western. Wilshire, Wilshire yeah. and Western. That's right. That's why oh, they call it the Wiltern. Why. Yeah, dude. I mean, you know, being able to do a venue like that, that's what, I mean, you know, the, I wanted this special to be more about like who I was as an adult, whereas like everything in my past was like just fun and light. And this yeah. was more like, hey, I wanted to get into some stuff. Like I closed my special on a story about when my dad died two and a half years ago. I'd only seen him once since I was 12. And that was when I was like 34. So when he passed, I was 39. And I'd only seen him that one time. and uh, But I was in New York. I was doing Best Bars uh, press. We were doing the Today Show. And my brother called me, and he never calls me. And he was like, uh, hey. and No, he, I pick up the phone, and I go, hey. And he goes, hey. And I go, who died? Like, because my brother doesn't call me. And he goes, dad died. <laughs> and he hadn't talked to him. Like, he had no relationship. I would at least email, like twice a year if it like we connected and stuff like that yeah so the whole last 10 minutes of my special is about i went home from new york i called my wife i'm like i'm gonna go home and she's like what are you gonna do and i'm like i think i'm gonna like i reached out to my aunt who reached out to his wife and i'm gonna go to his house and like she's gonna let me go through his stuff really yeah which how weird is that dude i was like just show like not knowing a dude and going hey shit you cool if i just peep around go through his crap and she was like, yeah. So, like, the whole last 10 minutes of my special is a story about me going home and, like, going face-to-face with her. And, like, you know, that, that'd, be, that'd be a story that, like, if I was doing it on Comedy Central, they'd be like, I don't think we should do this story. And I'm like, oh, yeah, well, when you pay for it yourself, you can do whatever you want. And I really yeah. wanted to, like, get across in this, this hour that, like, I'm a different person as an adult now. And something like this is, like, it was important for me to tell the story because I was like, there are so many people that, like, fatherhood and motherhood and you know having parents is like we all have it and we all have a different story so like my story of like my dad having no relationship with me for whatever reason i still don't have never gotten a reason for me to like need uh, have a need to go explore at least his home you know what i mean was so important and i imagine there are so many people out there that have something that relates to it and by me finding a way to make it funny is a way for other people to like that might like you know what like my buddy right now his he just found out who his dad was and he's like i i know he's like i don't know if i should reach out we're about to have a kid blah 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 and i was like hey man for whatever it's worth like what harm is it to you like you might have a rough time dealing with it if you meet him like he's like well what if he asked me for money what if he's doing this and i'm like well whatever man it's like do it for you if you want to do it so like that's kind of like everything went into me deciding what that special was going to be from the lighting from the room that i was in because i knew the material i wanted to talk about on stage and i wanted it to be a part of like i wanted it to feel like old hollywood you know like you know like that that room is like red like walls with yeah. big chandeliers and i wanted that like you know it's in the middle of hollywood and i wanted it to all feel like you know adult or like older or like you know i never used to swear in my stand-up and this there's swearing there's so much truth in that special and i just wanted it to be like i just feel like in life in general we're just we i think that like we duck away from topics that are sensitive to people now 
and we always have, but way more now than ever. Yeah. And at our job as comedians is we find light in these stories so that other people that are out there that are like don't know how to find the light or are uncomfortable with it or can't relate to someone that we're able to do it. So, so wait, what did you wear for your special? I wore black boots. Yeah. Gray slacks. Yeah. A blue sweater and a white button down underneath. Nice. Okay. I like it. You know, I didn't go suit. I didn't want it to be a suit because that's too formal. Yeah. I wanted it to be like classy, but yet, and I'm also fat dude. And I was like, I'm so like tired of being fat. I'm like, I got to wear like a Navy shirt. So, uh, yeah, you know. So wait, what was the story with your dad? I like? thought about wearing no shirt. I'm like, should I wear no shirt? Is anyone doing that? <laughs> um, Some guy said to me the other day, I was at the uh, ice house, and someone's like, dude, someone's doing your act. And I went, what? <laughs> like, someone's doing your act. It's a fucking up there. Should we call, call him on it? And I went, yeah, if someone's doing my act. Like, what bit? And they go, no, he's got his shirt off. I went, well, I don't own that. <laughs> we all take our shirts off at some point. People have been doing that for years. Um, but what uh, what was the story with your dad? What do you mean? Like you had you had you you have a brother and two sisters. And yeah. Two sisters, and your yeah. dad's the father of all them. Yep. My parents were married. Yeah. And then when I was two, they split. And then you the youngest. Yeah. And <laughs> no, I'm the oldest. But he's just really busy. <laughs> <laughs> I. But yeah, who knows, man? I have we we still don't know. Like I don't know why. Like. I, I I've been meaning to ask my mom like did he even try to get custody was like that's something that like he went for like I feel like there's also this weird depiction of like what a man is in in a mar in like a family like a father like it's always like it's a mommy and me class it's like the mom gets maternity no one thinks yeah. like oh the father needs to have time to connect with his children when they're brand new like it none of that's like really considered and I feel like especially back when I was young when they got divorced they were just like oh the the woman will get the house and she gets the kids and blah blah, blah. Oh, so, yeah, I don't know if that was the case where it's like you know I don't you know so, who knows? You know, which sucks too. Because, uh, and uh, I don't hang out with you and your wife, but I do know that you have taken you. You are one of the few guys that took very quickly to fatherhood. Oh, that really too. enjoyed it. Yeah. I remember when you got pregnant. You, I think, I think I was with you, or you like right after then, or you were about to. You texted me, and you're like, "Dude, I'm so fucking pumped." Oh yeah, well, like, you know what's crazy, dude? Is I honestly felt like. I never even could do stand up till I had kids. I always used to be like, man, I just want to be a dad. I feel like I should have been a dad at like 18 because I'm just like, like I would give people like parenting advice when I didn't, when I was like 21, 22. Like I would do stand up, like trying to tell people how to live their lives. And I'm like, you have no life experience. What makes you think you know this? But like, dude, I wanted kids in fifth grade. I had names picked out for what I was going to name my kids. Are you serious? Yeah. Like it was always the, that was like, I'm like, I'm going to be a dad and I'm going to fucking crush it. Yeah. And I'm going to like give my kids an opportunity to be like, to see life the way that I wish that I had been given an opportunity because like my dad was an interesting dude and he had interesting parents and like, I feel like my brother and I, one time I remember like, so my grandfather owned a bakery he had two bakeries and they had this awesome house like up on the water and, mom's, and like mom's dad no my dad's dad you knew that guy yeah we knew them my mom like really kept a relationship with them because she wanted us to know them you know what i mean so what would your grandfather say to you and stuff like would he be like back then we would see my dad like once a month or once every two weeks or something like that and i don't think he knew and you know he passed away when i was in fifth grade so it wasn't like i stopped seeing my dad after after his funeral 
After you, oh, after your father, yeah, yeah. Like when my grandmother passed, we didn't go to the funeral, you know, yeah. like because my dad called my mom and said, "I don't want you there." So we were all like, "Well, fuck him. We're not going either." Holy shit! So like, you know, but my grandfather, dude, he worked on the atom bomb. He worked at Los Alamos. He was at Harvard as studying physics. Went worked on the atom bomb. Came back was like, "This is not the life for me." His grandfather was a baker. He, you know, there's a lot of math in that. Oh, I guess what a transition. Yeah, dude, bombs to fucking cookies, bro. Bombs to bunts. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> fucking that's insane. Yeah. So so then your your dad. So in I fifth to, grade. That's the last time you started really hanging out with. Yeah, your dad? that was the last time I went to the antique store. With, he was an antique dealer. He he ran the bakery. And then he was like, his passion was always antiques, and he just wanted to do antiques, and he ran the bakery in the ground. My grandmother, my grandfather, like, sold the bakery, and then, you know, we went in, he went into doing antiques full-time, which isn't like, you know, there's not like a ton of money in antiques. But, like, yeah, he, but that is an interesting choice. Yeah, that's what, he, I mean, so when he died, I went through his house, and there's, like, books on silver coins. Like, he was, like, astute at coins like that was his thing it was like silver and like precious metals really yeah but like um like he and my mom used to like when we were kids when i was like super young and my brothers and sisters were young my dad would go and clean out people's like attics and garages for free because he would just take stuff because he had the eye he knew what was what you know wow so he was always doing that on the side so like my grandfather had this awesome house up on the water and they had like a boat and i remember one time i was like this is like maybe eight years ago, 10 years ago. I was like home with my brother and we were like in Boston and I was like, you realize we should have had a boat, dude. And he's like, I know, man. Like we should have been like spending our summers up there and like working, like having like lobster traps. Like my dad did when he was a kid and shit like that. So like, did your dad come from money? No, like my grandfather like made himself, you know, like they didn't have money. So like my dad, when he was a kid had his own lobster traps and would, then get lobsters and then sell them to restaurants in town, like you know, do making you see, his own. Do you money. see the connection? Like do, I, I see it very thinly veiled, but the connection of the man your grandfather and your father was, and how it kind of slides into like your little eccentricities, dude. Beyond that's like one of the things that like always upset me was I was like I could have been so much more had you taken the time to share with me like with my kids now i like i am like even at three i'm like explain every little detail of what i know what i've gathered because i'm like that's what like parents are supposed to do and uh i mean i I haven't even cracked my mom's dad he was a fucking dope dude too but like yeah man there was so when i connected with him at 25 that was the first time since 12 that's when i started like emailing with him and like he would write me and i'm like oh my god this i'm just like this guy i talk like him i think like him like and i didn't even know that and then like then then like then we didn't talk for four years and i reconnected again and it was always this thing it was always on me it wasn't like he wasn't he wasn't reaching out to me i was always the one reaching out you know did he start another family he married this chick who was who i saw when i went home through his and like just they they never had she had had a son before they never had any kids was she hot I don't think so. Yeah. Yeah, not really. What was that? Did you ever as a kid uh, blame? Like, do you ever get in a fight with your mom and go, that's why you left? No, but my mom was like, my mom was a super artistic woman. Like, when we were kids, we went to the ballet, symphony. This is the thing. My mom worked at a ballet. Okay. So we never had cable. You know what I mean? Like, we didn't have cable. TV was not a big thing in our home. We would go to the ballet because my mom worked there. Mm-hmm. My brother was an artist. We'd always be at the museum. We would go see the symphony because my mom still plays in uh, Oregon and was like a musician in college and stuff. We would, you know, all we did was do artistic stuff. 
Um, but at the end of the day, my mom was like hardcore. Like I remember I was just the other day we were at this wedding and I was talking to the woman who was hosting the wedding because my friends had it at this house and we were like, she was talking about like, like, a, like a yak spit in her face one time. She's like, have you ever been spit in the face? And I go, yeah, my mom spit in my face <laughs> once. And she goes, yeah, right. And started laughing. I go, no, I swear to God. She goes, what happened? I go, I was 17. We were fighting and I was getting in the shower and she ripped the curtain open and yelling at me. And then I was like, get the fuck, like pulling it back. And then she just spit in my face and walked out and she goes, what'd you do? And I go, I fell to the tub and cried my ass off. <laughs> my mom that? spit in my face. Dude, do you talk about that on stage? No, not yet. Jay. I know. I'll get it. I'll get it. <laughs> I mean, my mom spit in my face. Because I, I don't think of it as any... I'm just like, oh, yeah, just that's something that happened. You know, like, when something happens to you, that's normal. <laughs> yeah. You're just like, oh, what, you never been spit in the face? There's and, a girl, uh, Taylor Tomlinson, that I work with. You know mm-hmm. Taylor? She's got one of my favorite jokes is, she goes, you ever... Uh, I, I'm gonna fuck her joke up. I shouldn't even try to do it. But uh, she goes, "You ever, um, you ever talk to someone and you share stories of your childhood, and then you realize you were there? Like someone's like, oh, I remember going to bed without dinner.' And it's like we wore muzzles, <laughs> <laughs> like just those those. That is a fucking like I've never been spit in the face. That's a really interesting. You don't. I mean, I in my special, I talk about my mom one time, like going to town on my ass with a metal spatula. <laughs> And I talk about, I go, you know, my whole life I thought I got beat. And then I go, now that I have two kids, I think back and I'm like, she needed that. You know what I mean? Just to be a better parent. She had to like let off one day. So like, you know, I talk about that, but I haven't like, I didn't even realize getting spit in the face was so dramatic until this woman said this about the animal spit in her face. Yeah. And she basically said it like changed her entire life. She sold her home. She moved. She was like, it was like a sign to her. It like, it was so demoralizing to her. And I was like, oh my God. And then I'm like, oh yeah. And then when I told her that she was just like, she was blown away that that happened. And if you met my mom, you'd be like, no way this woman spit in your face. But that's like when you're when you're a single parent of four you have to be the mom and the dad you know what i mean yeah. she had to she had to drop the hammer when she had to and my mom was kind of forced into a life that like wasn't what she would have done you know what i mean really? like i think if my mom could have gone back she wouldn't have married my dad she would have gone to new york and tried to be a a costume a uh, like a clothing designer or an interior designer or something yeah. like that cuz that was like her real passion like we would go to like designer show houses when we were kids and like i was always at fabric stores and like you know doing all these things with my mom which is why like when you ask me what to do out in that backyard i'm yeah. like oh dude i'll tell you in two seconds i got it on my phone yeah it's right here it's so funny i i don't um my my fear of uh replicating my father's past meaning like the the similar i want to talk about your dad okay but go ahead you say what you want to say but i have something like i want to tell you a story about my mom and then i want to bring up a story about your dad that i remember and see how drastically contrasted our parents are okay Let's do it. Okay. So I was in a movie a couple years ago called The Invitation. It was a thriller, and it it did really well, and it was out everywhere. Not in major theaters, but, like, it was, you know, I think we had, like, 46 cities or something like that. So it was in Boston. My mom went to it. She not only went to it, she brought flowers for herself that she bought and then was, like, going through the lobby being like, my son is in the movie, like, telling people. (laughs) Yeah. Whereas your dad... 
that time I worked with you in Miami, he lived in Florida, so he came. And I, I remember being at the club, and you're walking. It's before showtime, which is like the fucking coolest time. Yeah. Is when you're in that showroom and everyone's setting up, and you're like, "This is a fucking show tonight." Yeah. And people coming, and like you're walking around with your dad, and I'm like, "Dude, this is fucking awesome." Bert's dad's here, <laughs> and for me, who had no relationship with my dad, I'm like, "This is the coolest shit." Um, you guys had just gone to dinner, and then I'm like. I remember getting in the green room. I'm like, uh, where's your dad at? And he's like, you're like, oh, he left. And I go, what do you mean? Yeah. He goes, yeah, he's like, he's going to sit at the bar or go somewhere else. I'm like, he's not going to watch the show. And you're like, no, nah, he's never seen me perform and no. will not watch me perform. And I couldn't, I remember just being like, what the fuck are you talking about? Yeah. Is it still? Still never seen me perform. What? Never seen me perform. Why? It uh, makes him uncomfortable. Makes him really Like, is he afraid? No, just makes him uncomfortable. Like, I imagine it would be like, uh, like probably seeing your kids naked, I'm guessing. Yeah. Like I, I like my daughter. Privacy is a big thing in our house right now. My daughter's going through puberty. Yeah. So like, uh, like I and, I, and you're you and yeah and and, 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 and so <laughs> I imagine it would be that's the similar. My mom loves it. My mom will like when I'm at the Tampa Improv. My parents come down to pick me up because I usually stay. We all stay. I stay with them. Um, and my mom will come in and pop into the into the showroom and laugh hard as shit. My dad will sit out at the bar. In like like in clothes, it looks like he just got out of bed, like like a, a fucking a Nike uh, like uh, sweat wick shirt and mm-hmm. uh, and shorts and and penny loafers, and just sit at the bar and have a drink, and he just will not come in. It's He's so still crazy. he it makes him really uncomfortable. Yeah, I don't know why. Um, I don't. It doesn't bother me though because I don't really know anything different. Yeah, exactly. Like he just. I remember. When I, I remember when I first started doing stand up, I had to do a um, a sizzle, a seven minute like a uh, seven minute uh, audition tape for Will Smith. Uh, they had seen me perform. They wanted Will to see me perform. Yeah. Will didn't want to come down to the club. They were like, "Just make a seven minute tape." So I went to Caroline's, made a seven minute tape, and it was probably one of the better tapes I've ever made of stand up ever in my life. By the way, yeah, no no one here cares, but trying to get a good tape is like nightmare, nightmare. It but is. Go ahead. It is. It is. It is catching lightning in a bottle. Yeah. You need the right time. You need to be the right time to go up. You need to have the Everything. right audience. It's got to be recorded po- like good. It's really difficult. And I that- just had to do it. Like two weeks ago, Like we had a tape for late night for, for to promote this special. Yeah. And th- I crush it at the improv. I'm like, can you guys send me that? They're like, yep. They send it to me. No sound. They hadn't recorded sound. Oh, that's then great. I, so I went again, had a great set. I'm like, can you guys send that to me? They go, yep. I don't get it. I, I email. I call. They're like, camera broke that day. So then I had to. Then I got one. It was done. Sent it. Tonight Show was like, they had had it for like six days, and then they went to watch, and they're like, oh, it's not there. I hit the improv. They're like, oh, we deleted it. We deleted it after a certain amount of time because we need the space. And I'm like, oh, really? Because that wasn't a big deal for me at all. Then I had to go. I brought a camera. It cut out after five minutes because there was a glitch in my camera. Like, all these things just to get this. And, and my publicist is like, hey, what's going on with this tape? And I'm like, fucking, do you have any idea how hard it is to get a good tape? <laughs> it like, it, you have to crush. The sound has to be right. No one can be walking in front. It's just like, it's near impossible. There, it's, a, it's a big learning curve on for a comic to make his own tape is a tremendous learning curve. Ugh. Because it's just trial and error, trial and error. Uh, I got to a place where I'm really good at making tapes now. Yeah. I can make tapes really great because I, uh, I have all the equipment. I 
use that camera with a wide-angle lens. I set it on manual focus so that it's focused on me so that if anyone walks in front of it, it doesn't refocus. That yeah. always throws you out of it. I use separate audio. I have an audio boom mic, shotgun mic on this uh, H6 that I put on top. I wire that into the camera. I then wire that into the board so I get audience sounds. I, I, I can really get do a good tape now. Um, I did it for my last special. I recorded every show, and I got just got obsessive about it. And I was like, I'm going to really take it high end. But back in the day, you could make a tape at like five, like this, we're talking 1998, 99. You could make a tape in maybe two clubs in all of New York. Yeah, I remember Ben Bailey asked me to record a set. <laughs> he was like, Hey man, I'm I'm submitting for something. Will you record it? And I went, Yeah, yeah, sure. So I, he gave me the camera, and I recorded it handheld. And so it shook the whole time. The whole time. I'm like, and you're probably I'm laughing. Like, and my arms getting tired. I'm laughing, and I'm, and but uh, but yeah, it's it's tough to make a good tape. That tape I made, I gave to Will. Will immediately gave me a deal, and I was like, okay, it must be. I didn't even watch it. I was like, it must be good. I'm gonna send it to my family. My sisters watched it with my dad and my mom in the living room, and they're like, Dad got aggressively drunk to watch it. Like he could not sit in front of it. <laughs> and they go, he watched the first joke. The first joke was. Uh, was um, about the real world, uh-huh. and he had never seen the real world. So he was like, I, he's not funny. And my sister's like, Dad, the real world is a TV show. The joke was, uh, every time I watch the real world, it's the same thing. Uh, five white people and one black person. Five by one black person. I was like, one time I'd like to see the opposite. Five black guys and one white chick. Yo, uh, I don't know. Yo, uh, what's up, Stephanie? This, my name's Ray Ray. This is it's all cultural appropriation now. I look back, but and then they're like, "Welcome to the real world. We turn your room into a studio, mm-hmm. whatever." Mm-hmm. Uh, my dad's like, "I don't get it. Why is he doing black accents? Why is he doing a black guy's voice?" Oh my god! And then the next joke is about me and Dimitri Martin on a train, and he laughed at that one. And then he was like, oh, "Okay, I guess he's funny. I'm fine." But uh, my dad still won't won't. And now I now I'm like I don't want to jinx it. Don't fucking come. I'm my career's going fine. Now Stay you're away. Like, yeah, whatever. It is what it is. But yeah, he's a different. He's a, a really. Uh, I guess the thing I was going to say is uh, that. I don't fucking. I by the way, I never really found my dad funny, and lately he is everything he's saying is making me laugh so hard yeah. that I'm going that I'm putting him in my act. He did something yesterday that was so. It was maybe one of the funniest things I've I don't it won't work on stage but it, to me and you it's it, I think you'd get a kick out of it. Um he flew from Tampa, my sister's having a baby tonight. Mm-hmm. And so he flew from Tampa yesterday morning uh to come out for the birth. He texts me at like 3 in the morning and he goes, "Joey Diaz is on my plane." And so oh my God. I, I I I I don't get it. It's 3 in the morning here. But uh, his next text is, I think he's eating pot cookies. He just that. yelled back, Mr. K, you want one of my cookies? <laughs> and I was like, "And I was like, please say dad didn't eat a cookie. So he lands. They're both sitting in first class. He lands. My dad comes down the escalator in Terminal 2 for Delta off to the side. And he comes up and he's like, uh, Joey Diaz is on my flight. And I said, yeah. And he calls him Joey D. Joey D was on my flight. I said, yeah. And he goes, yeah. I said, did you sit next to him? He goes, no. My dad's like, I sat next to a fucking moron. I said, really? He goes, Bert. He goes, I mean, I'm assuming the guy has money if he's flying first class because I know how expensive this ticket is. This fucking guy played Candy Crush the whole flight. He goes, he's a grown man, and he played Candy Crush. He played a fucking game. I go, well, you know, for a lot of people, no, 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 Bert, no. He played a game, a child's game. He's a grown man, good shape, oh physical, God. just played a game. 
from takeoff to landing. He got up to go to the bathroom and brought the game with him and was still playing the game when he sat back in his seat. The whole fucking flight. He must have looked at me going, oh, guy's reading books. What an idiot is this guy? Just fucking play the game. Can you believe that? And I go, that's crazy. He was so upset by it yeah. that a man would play a game. Yeah. Joey Diaz comes out of the down the escalator and he goes, I go, what's up, Joey? How's the flight? He goes, dog, your dad sat next to John Cena. <laughs> Shut <laughs> up, dude. My dad goes, who's that? And, and he goes, he's a pro wrestler, Mr. K. He goes, he, my dad goes, he's a fucking moron. He's a fucking moron. <laughs> dude, you got to get like John Cena to like send a video message to him. Like, you got a problem, son? Dude, it was, I was laughing so hard and I go, you know who he is, right? And my dad goes, no, my dad doesn't know anything about pro wrestlers. Yeah. I go, he was in, train wreck with amy schumer yeah he's in tons of stuff yeah and i go he's that he's one of the biggest pro wrestlers ever i go he had big arms my dad goes oh his his arms his calves he's got a bad back he put a a pillow behind his back Uh, there's something wrong with his back i thought it was because he's playing the goddamn game the whole time like what what grown-up plays a game he was so upset yeah that generation but joey diaz coming down going dog your dad sat next to john cena that is so funny joey and then uh and then my dad loves Joey Diaz. Loves I mean, Joey it's hard Diaz. to not love Joey Diaz. It, there are people who don't. Dude, he is fucking hilarious. I'm always blown away when someone goes after Joey Diaz. Like the John Caparulo stuff, where him and Joey went at it. And yeah. then John was like, let's flamethrow this. I'll go after Rogan, too. And I was like, in my head, I was like, "Is my thing is like, why? Like, I think about that. I have, I have beef with a guy uh, that I've... I've shared too much on this podcast um, that I don't really have beef with them anymore, uh, but but um, but I know that we don't we would never speak to each other. Like the, the, he would never talk to me, and and adversely I'm just wouldn't talk to him because I don't want to be I don't want to get into a confrontation. I don't like confrontation. And he emailed me the other day and uh, emailed my manager and said, uh, "Can you please get me Bert's info? Uh, he'll he'll know what it's about." And I w- immediately was like, um, "Oh, cool. He wants to like." Bury the hatchet. Yeah. And then I consulted a couple of people and they're like, no, nah, I don't think he wants to bury the hatchet. I think he wants to finish telling you off. And I was like, what? Is he a comedian? Yeah. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. yeah. I mean, everyone knows that me and him have beef, but I was like, in my head, I'm like excited for his email because I'm like, I would like to get past this. I would love to have him on my podcast. I'd love to talk about the... Well, why don't you just have him on and hash it out over on the podcast? I, I don't think he cares to. I don't... I mean, well, I, he's I, I don't know. out to your manager. He no, but he reached out. Cares. I think... I th- think i personally felt like he wanted to what time do you have to be out of here i i'm good um i personally felt like he wants to i feel like i know that we're both grown-ups and we're both very in very different places in our career than we were that one time we had a hiccup yeah my frustration with that moment is less about being asked to not do the show and more about the fact that i respected him as a comic and i and i felt like we were becoming friends, and then I realized that was not the case. Gotcha. That, that ultimately, and, and I have to admit this now as a 44-year-old man, I know, I know I, I, from what I hear, he's not boozing real hard anymore. Mm-hmm. So, like, I, I don't know. And so I, I personally think he reached out to me to be like, hey, man, we're both grown-ups. I have no problem with you. I, I Quite honestly, Bert, I haven't even thought about you in 10 years. The fact that you're still upset about this, I, I, I was assuming he was – Gonna be like, I'm sorry. I uh, I'm sorry that for whatever I, feelings I gave you, and then I immediately I'd say I'm sorry for being for holding on to this. I and I think I just held on to it because. But I, that wasn't the case. 
I don't know. I haven't gotten oh, okay. the email back. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. I'm, I'm, I haven't gotten the email back, and now that I've said it on this, I'm sure you just won't email me. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, I reached. I talked to a couple of people, and they're like, "No, I don't. I don't think he's." <laughs> and Leanne was the first one. Leanne read the email. And she's like, "I I don't think he's ready to bury the hatchet." I go, "Yeah, he is." I was like, "We're both grown ups. Like, what are we holding on to?" Yeah. And by the way, what's he? He's has a career that's ten times bigger than mine. There's no way that he like. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like he sure. won. Yeah. So, yeah. But but my point is I would never create tension. Like when yeah. John Caprula did that, I was like, like there's things I don't like about people, but I don't share it. No fucking way. And this is too small a business. We have like, we're all comedians. Don't you think there's some kind of like thing? Just I, I have no idea. Everyone's got their livelihood. I don't, I don't get into any of that shit. I don't care. You know at all. I, mean? I don't care. I, at all. Like there's... I do the opposite. There are people that are so talented that I I naturally, and by the way, this is going to surprise a lot of people, but I naturally have a defensive feeling when I see them on stage of like, of like it's, it's a protective feeling of like, you, you almost, does, does, am I making any sense? Like you, they're so good, you go like, fuck, I don't want to go after them. Um, you, I don't go after anyone, but I just have got to the point where I'm like, there's so little. No, I meant time. like follow them. Like I don't want to follow them. I don't want to like like a perfect example. Of a friend of both a mutual friend, Rory Scoville, made me laugh so hard the first time I ever heard of him hmm. that I was frustrated that I had never heard of him. But in hearing him the very first time, he made me laugh like that. Yeah, like I was like, hold the fucking fu- who is this guy? Yeah, like. He was on Todd Glass's podcast. I was on a train going to Amsterdam, and I was doubled over laughing, and I was like, oh, my God. Then I followed him on Instagram. I was like, oh, my God. He does stuff I like to do a lot. How, am I, how have I never met this guy? What happens in this business, I think a lot of people then revert that energy and go, fuck that guy. Does that make sense? Yeah, of course. And, and I am the opposite of that, where I went, I go very easily look. At, there's a lot of people that very easily can look at Rory Scoville and go, fuck. Like, yeah. Fuck. Like his set he did for was it Conan in the theater in the Apollo dude. in the Apollo, come unbelievable. on, it's unbelievable. The I've thing he did with him, John Door, yeah, fuck off, unbelievable. The fact I watched him do a set and he did the whole thing as a Christian youth minister and destroyed as a Christian youth minister. Yeah, yeah, he's super talented, man. Rory's one of my best friends. I yeah. love him to death. You know what I mean? <clears throat> he's super talented, but I never look at guys and say I don't want to go after him. I just like, oh, go go take that energy and go a different way with it. Oh, there's guys I have a hard time following. There's well, we all have, Yeah, you know. We're there's gonna. anyone who defines a room like that. Like, I'll, I'll, fo- I'll follow anyone because I'm not the kind of guy that jockeys to no get my way. spot on a yeah. set. Um, if you tell me I'm going fifth, I go fifth. I'm not going to fucking. Yeah. If I have a problem with going fifth, I'll call you before I even show up to the show and I know the lineup. And I go, hey, my daughter has a whatchamacallit. Yeah. You mind if I, can I go earlier? No, I don't want to know the lineup. But, uh, but there are definitely guys. There's one guy. I wish I could remember his name. It's three names. He's a, a alt comic, very very funny. He does a bit about shining his robot. I don't know, but man, that's the one guy I followed on stage. A couple guys, uh, him entirely, where I realized he changed the room entirely. Yeah, and I was like, my, like when I got up, I my only instinct was to talk about how good he was. Yeah, like. Ralphie, I remember Ralphie came up. That was the first encore I ever saw. I would never want to follow Ralph. I followed Ralphie three times. <laughs> I mean, let's be honest. And it was every time was fucking soul sucking. Yeah, I followed Ralphie on a cruise ship 
on Khaled's cruise. And Ralphie's like, oh, I, I ain't going after you, Bert Kreischer. I ain't been doing shit lately. I, I'm fucking rusty. And I was like, I was, I was believing in myself. <laughs> I, was, I had been following Billy Gardell for a year and then been following Jay Moore for two years. Yeah. Because uh, Jay used to do a thing where Tom would open, he'd do an hour, and then I had to close. Yeah. And I was like, I got this. I was like, don't worry, man. I'll follow you. <sighs> Ralphie put a hurt on me that I have not experienced since. Yeah. He did. That dude's beast mode. He, man, he had this ability of rattling off punchline after punchline after punchline after punchline to the point where you would sit there and go, I wouldn't have written one of those. Yeah. I think that he was. Yeah, dude. And the last time I saw him, he murdered in a way. The very last time I saw him do stand up, he murdered in a way that that I I said to myself, "Man, I've been sleeping on how funny he is. I should be watching more of Ralphie." Like he fucking killed. Yeah, man. Yeah, it's a shame. That's a shame. Yeah. You going to go to his uh thing? Um, I don't know. I I mean, uh, when I don't know that I think it's I think it's open to all the comics, but I'm sure, yeah. I I was talking to some people. I was like, I don't I don't like those memorials. Yeah, some you know. To be honest with you, like I I like honor people in my own way. And if I was like someone I was like super close with, I would probably be at the real memorial. Yeah. So when it comes to something like that, like I I'll always honor people. Like I had like an intimate moment with with uh, with Ralphie. So that'll always be something I'll hold and like yeah. connect on. And like I always you know loved Ralphie. So. For me, it's I'm I'm cool. Yeah, I said uh, I do. Do you have a living trust yet or a trust yet? No, you set that up. Yeah, I got to. Yeah, because when Ralphie passed, um, when Ralphie passed, I was just wide awake to what happens after you die. Yeah, uh, with your money and your estate, and uh, and I was like, I want my shit in order. And so the day after he passed. I went into an estate uh, living trust planner, mm-hmm. and uh, and one of the things I did that I'm very proud of, which I am fucking bummed that funerals are no longer a thing that people do. What do like, you mean? Funerals, man, I've had a bunch of friends die, and they don't do fru- funerals anymore. Really? Yeah, funerals just, well, my, my friends have all died from pretty pu- fucked up things. Yeah. But they don't, funerals aren't something big anymore. Like, Ralphie's not having a funeral. Yeah. Um, my buddy passed away. He didn't have a funeral. They go, we want to do a celebration of life. We'll, we'll plan it out. Because the family's so hurting. They're like, let's deal with it in a couple months. I fucking love funerals, dude. Dude, I love funerals, too. I love them. And Leanne's like, I don't want to have a funeral for you. Like, I don't want the girls to have to go through that. And I went, the fuck? You're out of your fucking mind. I go, we're having a funeral. And the lady goes, we can put that as a caveat in your trust. I go, I want a fucking funeral. Leanne's like, I don't want a funeral. I go, don't have one. I don't give a fuck. I, the money, I, I go, but you're spending money on a, on a, on a funeral for me. And I want a party. I want like I want a party. And the lady's like, we can plan this all out. And I go, all right. I go, I want a fucking party. And I want all my friends there. And I know who I want to speak. I know how I want this to go down. I go, I I'm want- setting the lineup. Okay, here's Dude, the deal. Yeah. I want a tight five up front. Yeah. I go, listen, with my list of friends, we could charge a cover charge, do it at the fucking will turn, and I could set my kids up for a while. That's a big fucking paycheck to put in a bank. Yeah. Like, and in my head, I'm like, I know I'm going to have fucking murderers up there. Like, what do you think Segura could draw if he was with Rogan Burr? Like, that's a fucking ticket right there. I'm sure I'd get Marin up there, right? Yeah. Like, just to say something <laughs> nice. And I was like, I was, I'm like definitely doing a funeral slash celebration of life like a couple days after I die. I want it fresh in everyone's thing. And I want my daughters to see that, um, that people loved me. 
Like, that's the other thing. I don't want them to just, dad died, let's all hole up in our rooms. I want them to. That's the best thing. I mean, whatever you want to call it. You know what I mean? Yeah. You can make it whatever it is when people are there. Like, if people are calling it a celebration. It was always a celebration of life. I remember back in the day, I remember being a kid and, like, seeing a funeral go by and my mother grabbing me and, like, you 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 stand here and you wait till this entire funeral procession goes by, and we just sat there on like Main Street in my town, stone a mass, and we watched the entire funeral go by with all their lights on. She goes, "That's what you do when a funeral goes by. You stand and you let that entire funeral pass, and you don't move till it passes." And I was like, "That's the coolest fucking thing ever." Dude. And I remember her telling me like when my when her dad died, my my grandfather, like the line was so long. Dude, you ready for this? One time I'm in upstate New York and uh, I'm like in like the back roads, like out by my wife and I'm like waiting to make this like right. And uh, I see these cars all pass me with their lights on. I'm like, what's up with these people? And then there's like a big gap. And I'm like, all right, boom, I swing into this thing and then they all catch up and I'm in the middle of a funeral procession and I'm just like, oh, no flag. There were no flags on the other cars. <laughs> just like, just ah, sitting there like, oh man, can I pass? <laughs> and I wrote it into a script where a guy's like, like driving and this guy cuts off and gets in I'm like what the fuck's this guy doing he doesn't see the flags what is he doing and all of a sudden the guy just like trying to cut off a funeral i had the same thing happen to me at the gay pride parade in new york when i was young when you, were you I driving walked, I, no i walked i no i walked out of uh new york sports club i guess is what it's the place we work out in new york i forget what it was called uh-huh. it was on the corner of uh of seventh and like uh like right by stonewall and so i walk out and if the streets are not packed, but they're they're pretty heavy, and I see, and it's a Saturday, and it's just beautiful. It really was beautiful, and I was like, and my shirt was sweaty, and I saw some guys with their shirts off. I was like, dude, I'm taking my fucking shirt off. Throw my shirt off, throw it in my back pocket. I got my bag on. I start walking around, and someone's selling margaritas on the street. I go, I want a fucking margarita. I buy a margarita. I go, this is a fucking Saturday. And then I'm walking down 7th, and I'm like, how do I get left? How do I get left? And I'm like, oh, my God, I'm in the gay pride parade. In the gay pride parade. In the gay pride parade. Then I was like, oh, my God, this is a bit. You know how, like, I'm a young comic? Yeah. This is a bit. And so then I did everything in life that would have been unnatural after that. Yeah, Because I, I couldn't. I didn't know how to live an authentic life. But I got home and told my buddy Ty. I was like, I was just in the gay pride parade. And he was, we were so far out, fresh out of Florida. He was like, dude, don't tell anyone about that. Um, but yeah, funerals are. Who would you want? Like, uh, let's let's do let's do, let's do a uh, uh, top three comics comics to speak at your funeral, whether they know me or not. Okay, I mean, wait, put no, it this no, way: no, like, no, 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 no. I'm a comedian, but comedy is by no means my world. Yeah, do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which yeah. it's just like that's just the way I've always been. I don't know why, because I have other interests. Like, and I wasn't a comedy fan growing up. Like, I loved being funny, but it, I never like it. Never, I just I don't know. So like for me, like it would just be like the people that are closest. So it'd probably be Thune, Sickler, and Scoville. That would be like the three. Thune, Sickler. By the way, I was texting back and forth with Nick Thune, one of my favorite people to text with. Yeah, I mean Thune, Thune is Sickler, and Scoville. Okay. I don't know. I'm going to take Tom back. I don't know if I want him speaking at my funeral. That's sweet, man. Because he's gonna, because he's gonna make a joke about me. Like I know Tom would be like, "Burnt was a great." I'm like, Tom, it's my fucking funeral. I'd want people to shred the fuck out of me. Oh, but I would see. I'd oh, be no, rather no, no, like no. this would be a. Ro- Otherwise, I would have like you know. I don't know. I don't think I really have friends in the world. You know what I mean? I would like. What do you mean? I just think friendships like this really watered down thing nowadays i I just don't understand it really i think i don't know if it's because i have a tough time like connecting with people anymore or what but 
Uh, I had. I just talked to Joe about this. Uh, this on the pod. I think I talked about it on the podcast, which maybe I shouldn't have. Um, four years ago, I think it was about four years ago. Maybe five years ago. It was right. It was maybe it was more than that. It might have been closer to six. Um, we were at the ice house, and uh, I was unaware of this. But I, was, I had a bunch of people that were trying to become friends with me, and I wouldn't let them in. Yeah, I didn't want to. I was like, I'm done with friends. Like, I don't need friends anymore. Friends just complicate this business. Yeah, like uh, I don't, I don't want friends. And uh, Joe pulled me aside, had a shot of Jack, two shots of Jack Daniels. We were pretty high, and uh, I was getting ready to go on stage. I'm in my head space to go on stage, and he's like, uh, he's like, hey man, let's do a shot. I was like, cool. And he's like, we got the shots, and he goes, hey, you're a great guy. I was like, thanks. He goes, there's a lot of people trying to be your friend right now. I said, okay. He was like, just let us be your friend. Just don't, like, just let us be your friend. We like you. And I was like, all right. It was really an awkward thing to say. And I was like, okay. He goes, do you understand what I'm saying? Like, allow us to be your friend, and you'll have a lot of really great friends. I was like, all right. And we did a shot. He's like, I love you, man. And I was like, I love you too. And I got on stage, and I got off, and uh, Ari was waiting outside. And I started talking to Ari. And then Ari and I drove back to the city. Back back to the city was when he was living up by uh, the store, and we sat in. What I guess I, I can't imagine we were in my car. Although I, the, I remember we were in my car, but we sat in a car and talked. I, I only say that because I never drink and drive, and I know I was hammered. Yeah. But we maybe this is the next night, maybe. But like we sat outside his house and we talked for like thirty minutes. I haven't done that with anybody. I hadn't done that in a while, yeah. and it felt really good. And then he left. He was like, I'll, I'll talk to you tomorrow. And I was like, in my head, I was like, oh, I don't make commitments like that. And Segura and I had, and I, I'm sure Tom's recollection is probably different, but we had a very uh, weird relationship and almost like strained to an extent because it was always through another person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, that deal. And... And that was our conversations were cyclical in that sense. And after that, I was like, oh, I think I, I think I need to be friends with Tom, like as opposed to be someone I talk to about things. Yeah, yeah. And and we'd always been friends before that, but I think things had just complicated things. So I allowed Joe, Joey, Tom, Ari, Duncan, Red Band. I, I allowed them to be like I'd reply to them and I'd text them back. And I like I remember Joe called shortly after that. And we talked on the phone, and then he invited me to go to his house for a birthday party. And I was like, uh, which is not my comfort zone. And I did, and we just hung out and just talked like friends. And I was like, oh, and I thanked him the other day. We were I think we were at his new studio, and I was like, hey, thanks for that, man. Like I don't think I'd have any friends, and I have a really great group of friends. Like I Joey Diaz, I talk to Joey once a day practically. Yeah, you know, and Tom, and like so I know what you're saying. And in this business, I remember saying, "What were you going to say?" No, I'm. I'm not saying I'm not open to it. I'm just saying, like, it's a weird. It's weird. You know, it's just weird to me. And I, I'm just like, because I used to be the most. I am still social. If I'm in any group, you're very social. I'm social. I love people. I can talk to everybody. I, I can, you know, make people feel comfortable. But it's just, I, I feel like in my last, like, I just like, I lose sight of like what friendship is anymore because like. 
We have kids. My wife travels. Yeah. I travel trying to get people connected. I have friends that are like best friends that are like, hey, man, I'm not coming to your daughter's birthday. You're too far away. And I'm just like, all right. like, And like that's just something you can do now. You can just tell people over text like no or people like sending me text messages like breaking commitments. And I'm like – you don't do that. You know what yeah. I mean? So I'm just like, no, I, know I don't exactly even know. I still have friendships from high school and college, you know, but where it's like, then you're like, oh, well, what are friendships where you see people once every four years? You know, like what, you know what I mean? So I'm still like open. I'm open to new friendships. And then in this town, you just, I know friends that are like, only make friends because it betters their business. And then you're just like... By the way, that's the majority of people out here. I know. It's a a crazy... You know, so I'm just like... You know, I'm kind of just trying to let my life be what my life becomes instead of... You're also... The weird thing about having kids is there is like a... There is like a, a period... Like we go through friends every four years. Once you have kids... You have your preschool friends, I know, and then and then you end up going to a, a, a kindergarten, yeah, or whatever. Then you have your kindergarten through like five grade five friends, and then you have your sixth grade through eighth grade friend. Like you end up cycling out of friends. Like our best friends, we were just talking about this on the walk, me and Leanne. Our best friends when when we just got pregnant, had babies, like where you're at in your life right now. All our best friends are either divorced or we don't speak to them anymore. Damn. Our best friends. I mean, I'm talking like people we went camping with. We spent every weekend with tech. What are you guys doing this weekend? All birthday parties. Yeah. We don't speak to any of them. Not one of them. Yeah, it's crazy. I was like, and so many of them are divorced now. I said to Leanne, I was like, whoever thought we would be the ones that stayed together? Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm a fucking raging drunk. You're fucking, I'm on the road constantly. Yeah. We got pregnant before we were married. Like, we got pregnant and then yeah. got married. Everyone was like, that'll never last. Yeah. And now all of them are divorced or fucking in shambles. And then the ones that me and Leanne are going on a walk together for fucking an hour today. Yeah. Just bullshitting. And I was like, who ever saw this happening? Yeah, no kidding. Huh? It's, yeah, it is. Friends are... It is a thing that I that I think it's easier when you're older, too. Like, I think in like seven years, in in five years... You'll go like, I, I maybe I don't know. It's also weird for me. Like, like I said, I still have, I still talk to on a regular basis three friends from high school, yeah. and talk to on a semi regular basis ten. You know what I mean? So it's like I came from this thing where like I'm pretty loyal, dude. So like once I be like build a bond with someone over something, I usually like maintain it. So it's hard for me to like let go of it. Where I've like had to like break up with people through words that are guy friends instead of like most people just like let it disappear and like and that's just uncomfortable to me you know and my therapist is like yeah you just turn into new you just get new friends you know like maybe yeah. you need new friends and I was like I go what do you mean you just like get new friends like and she's like yeah like maybe you know blah 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 and I was like all right so it's it's you know I just think it's it's an interesting you know study of people is like understanding like where you are in the world. Leanne's torn through friends. My wife. <laughs> we have lost so many friends from Leanne because she just doesn't fuck with crazy. Yeah. So the second she senses crazy, she's out. She destroys it. Yeah. I watch her destroy it. And I'm like, yo, I fucking like the husband. What the fuck? Yeah, yeah. Like totally. he introduced me to comic books. I never liked comic books until him. Like I never got the never got like the Marvel universe. And then he explained it, and I was like, oh, that's cool. Yeah. I was like, oh, thanks a lot. Oh, wait, we're not friends anymore because Leanne sent an email about your wife and didn't realize she was CC'd on it. Oh, fuck. Oh man. So many people. Yeah. 
that I was like, I don't know. I kind of love that. But it is weird. Like, I, I definitely forego the store sometimes to spend time with my family. Like, yeah. if, I have, if I have three days home, it's hard to get me to go to the store. Oh, dude. I mean, yeah, we have this thing because my wife will travel. And, like, if she's out of town, that means I got to get a sitter for the, when, when she's out of town. So, normally, I get her schedule. And I'm like, all right, these are the nights I can do stand-up. Like, this week, I leave Thursday for Atlanta, then Boston, then New York. And Is it a, doing every, New City every night? No, I'm doing a college. I'm going to Atlanta for my friend's bachelor party <laughs> and see my buddy that I grew, like was friends with out here. Yeah. And then Boston for a gig for college on Saturday night. Then Sunday, Monday, doing press in New York. I'm going to go do the bonfire. Oh. Yeah. I'm going uh, to do UCB. I'm going to do Commie Juice. I'm going to do The Stand. And I'm going to do uh, Artie Lang's show and a couple other. Artie like, Lang just turned 50. Wow. Good for him. He was uh, he was a he was one of the very he's he has been a motive and I hope this doesn't come off as a backhanded compliment but he's been a motivation this whole month for me because he said something to Jim and Sam on a podcast or a radio show he did where he was talking about partying catching up to you mm-hmm. and he was like he was like yeah fifty is where it catches up to you and I was like I'm forty four I was like fuck and then I heard him say that and he was like I never thought it would catch up to you, you know you know you just never think yeah and I was like oh I should really. I should really look at this as a lifestyle. We were talking about that when we were coming in. I should look at this as a lifestyle change. I really need to make some some solid changes in my lifestyle because I'm not a fucking 33-year-old headliner anymore. This kid that's excited to be out on the road. I'm a working comic. I need to... And you're, yeah, and you're a human being. Well, you forget about that sometimes. Yeah, you forget that you're a human. And, it, and this, not the machine. And <laughs> the biggest problem with giving yourself a nickname. <laughs> Wait, you gave no, you didn't. I gave myself the nickname the machine. Oh man. I said to them, I meant to say I'm the man and I said I'm the machine. And I it was a mistake, but Dude, I gave myself a nickname once. Dis. Dis, dude. In eighth grade, I told my friends, I go, Hey, I want you guys to start calling me dis. And they go, Why? And I go, Because you know I'm a goalie in soccer and I diss everybody. And they were like, Hey man, I don't think that's gonna stick. (laughs) And I was like, all right, man. What's up, Dis? What's up, Dis? Didn't that sound tight? By the way, can I just tell you something I came up with the other day that I think, I don't know how to get it to catch on, but I think it should be a thing. What's that? I'm going to tell you this. I'm going to tell you what the phrase is, and you. I think there's multiple meanings for it, but I think it's dope. Are you ready? Yeah. Bitch heavy. Well, I like it. Yeah, of course you do. Like, dude, look at you coming <laughs> here with those new sneakers all bitch heavy. <laughs> You know what I mean? Or someone's giving an attitude like, dude, what's she getting all bitch heavy on everybody for? Oh, dude, bitch heavy. I don't know how to do it, but I'm going to find a way to make that happen. Just know, like I said it here first, bitch heavy. I was really good at, I believe, coming up with phrases. I would come up with my fraternity. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would call people certain names mm-hmm. and they would like it would stick. Like I remember saying uh, this guy came through. Uh, it was another organization I was in. And he came through, and I liked him a lot. And they're like, I don't know about the guy. And I go, guys, he's top shelf. And they're like, top shelf? I go, yeah. Like, you know. he's not He's not well. He's top shelf. And they were like, okay. And and that stuck. Everyone started calling people top shelf. And I was like, nice. So then I came up with a phrase that I had heard someone else say, but I thought I had come up with it. And I was like, that guy's the cat's pajamas. <laughs> oh, my God. And everyone's like, I'm sorry. And I was like, he's the cat's pajamas. And they're like, what are you, a jazz singer pajamas? in the 20s, dude? And they were like, you're fucking joking, right? And I go, no, that's the cat's pajamas. Dude, come on. Look at this guy. Oh, what was the... Uh, he sounded like a sax player, like playing like, you know, back 
back clubs. So, and this is before you could Google stuff. So someone's like, I think I've heard that before. And like, a, like, and so apparently I think it's someone else's phrase that I appropriated and was like, it's the cat's pajamas. I was good about that. I gave my, I would give myself a bunch of nicknames. The B-Man, Nature Boy, uh, uh, Double Dribble. Um, Double Dribble's a tight nickname. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's out of a story uh, I had told Ralph Sampson when I was a kid. Uh, he, he was at a camp. He was like, is anyone here party? And I raised my hand thinking we were all raising our hands. And uh, he's like, how do you party? I said, I party hardy. And he was like, huh? I said, I party hardy. And he's like, how do you party hardy? I said, with both hands. And then I was like, they call me double dribble. Oh, my God. And so, God. yeah, it was, uh, uh, it was me trying to be. Double dribble, man. That's the spot. What's up, double dribble? Uh, not much. You know, I party hard with both hands. I gave myself a bunch of nicknames. My kids give me nicknames. My kids my kids haven't called me dad as a first class moniker, mm-hmm. meaning like that's where they go. It's Bertangs, Bertangulous Boy, uh, uh, Bertie Gaga, Bertrude, Bertrude McFuzz. I was Jeez. bruh for a while. <laughs> What's up, bruh? Yeah. My dude, I'm my dude right now. What's up, my dude? Oh, my God. That fucking drives me nuts. What do you mean? You just want dad? Oh. I told You know what I told my kids they call me? What? Pops. Oh, I like I go, that. You call me Pops. So he'll call me dad. I go, what else you call me? He goes, Pops. And every now and then he'll go, hey, Pops. And I'm like, oh, you just want to get fucking. <laughs> That's the best. That's what I want Like when I'm like, when they're teenagers. I want to be like, hey, Pops. That's what I want to be called. I'm going to, I, I. <sighs> don't take that dude i mean anyone can be called pops but like i just fucking love that shit. uh my dad my wife's a redneck so her family her dad is named uh papa jay mm-hmm. that's what they call him but her her grandmother's a meemaw then she has a peepaw a pawpaw and uh like that's what they call their grandparents and then a granny okay and um when my dad was like i want to be called papa but my daughter's Heard it in a rec, so they call him pop, pop, papa, papa. But it's it's the pronunciation's off. There's it's like a just W the, where they put like we used to say Bel Bivdevo. Be- oh, you know what I mean? Like or you guys like, are from Venezuela. Yeah, Bel Bivdevo, Rottweiler, uh, Budweiser. Right, or like nine o two one o. Nine o two one o. When nine o used to be on. Wait, how do you say cement? Cement. C- uh, cement. No, no one says cement. What I do say you just cement. Fucking- <laughs> No one says that, dude. It's cement. Concrete. No. Wait, am I, now I think I'm fucking Now you're all over the fucking Concrete. place. Are you still watering that pool? No, I'm done. It's When's uh, that going to be done? Doesn't pools don't take this long. Uh, they take longer, actually. Really? Yeah. Pools are... Uh, I remember a pool being put in and swimming in it the next day. So what they do is you can put in a pool. It takes like... I think it takes like a... They dig the hole. They lay the concrete... All of a sudden, there's a hole and there's a pool-looking thing in your backyard, but it takes a week, two weeks of hosing it down to let the the marmite or whatever it's called set. Uh-huh. You gotta let it settle because of it's got to be moist. That's because we're in LA, and so I'm. This is all me guessing, uh-huh. but in LA, you gotta let it because there's no humidity out here, so you gotta water it down twice a day. Then once you do that, then they start pouring in the um, outside. The I forget what it's called. But now they're pouring in the outside. It's like the perimeter of it. I, I think the next thing they do is they spray the Pebble Tech. Uh-huh. And then 
if you get Pebble Tech, which is a little more expensive, but not really because our, po- our pool is so small, it's only like a, a grand or two grand more. Whereas for a big pool, it would be a lot more. So a lot of people choose not to do it. They get uh, just straight up plaster. If you get plaster, you got to wait 29 days with water in it where you can't go swimming in it. What about if you get tiles on? Oh, shit. Yeah. I think then you're a baller. Yeah. If, baller. You, get, if you get tiler, Dude, tiles. I was telling someone this the other day, and I have to remember this because this is something I need to totally make a joke about is um, tile in the bathroom was – when I was a kid, we had a guest bathroom, and I told you, my mother was interior design stuff, and it was the floor was this blue tile with like green like marbling in it, and we got that tile from my mother's friend who they, they took it out of their pool. They redid their pool. We used their leftover tile for our bathroom. I'm like, that's when you know you don't have – when other people have money. That was the first time I heard what Rich was. I'm like, wait – we're using their old pool tile <laughs> so we have a floor in this bathroom. That was dope. But tile, that's when I was like, oh, man, I want a tile pool someday. I, I'll, tell you all, I'll tell you all the things I wanted. And by the way, these are things I don't think I'll ever have, but I assumed I'd have. And, and I'm, I'm coming to terms with this. I, we talked about this on my walk with my wife today. Our friends just bought a $2.5 million house. Uh-huh. And I was like, I, was like, oh, I want one. <laughs> Because they're building one right next door to it. And mm-hmm. my wife goes, we can't afford it. And I go, no, we can't. I just have to work every single fucking week. And in my head, I'm like, wait, hold on. So wait, I was like, I'll never have a $2.5 million house. I'm never going to have a, like, like we bought this house in 2008 at the bottom of the market for nothing. Yeah. And it's a great house. I love this it's house. It's a great I house, I love dude. this house. But the idea that this is the top of the mountain for me, this house, scared me. I went, well, hold on. I'm never going to have like a... I always wanted a pool like this, but in the middle of a yard that was square and huge and ran into the grass. I'd seen Rod Stewart had one of those. And I was like, oh, I want one of those. I always wanted a boat. I don't think I'm ever going to have a fucking boat. I always thought I'd have a private island. I watched way too much Cribs. I was like, I'm never going to have a private island. Can I tell you, I've always wanted that same pool. And we we put a bid in a house in Toluca Lake a couple years ago when we had some money. And uh, we didn't get it. And it had that, the pool that was just there. It wasn't like, there wasn't cement around it. It was just the pool was there with one round of bricks. Yes. Just one thing of brick around it. And it was just green grass up to a pool. And That's JFK, Martha Vineyard shit right there. Yeah. Or Martha's Vineyard. Either one, dude. I mean, (laughs) Martha Vineyard is the most underrated of all the islands, dude. You know what I mean? Everyone thinks about Martha's, but Martha. They meet you at the dock and they're like, you thought it, you forgot the ass, huh? Uh, Like, man. We're yeah, totally different. This is Martha. This is Martha. <laughs> Martha's a little further out, man. That's I don't nice even spot. make wine. I make... Uh, I, I make uh, <laughs> My friend just stayed at Ted Danson's house out on Martha's Vineyard. Really? Yeah. You think... You, you want to talk about things you don't got? Try 20 acres on Martha's Vineyard with three houses. Do you ever think about that in life? About like... Uh, do you ever not keep up with the Joneses, but do you ever covet... Well, our life is keeping up with the Jones, especially in L.A. I mean, I think it's everywhere and like what social media has done and just like Instagram. You're just like, oh, I, you know, you just feel like so disconnected. But I have like a I, I'm like a standard of living type guy. Like so I could make way more money, too, if I was on the road. But I like to be home and be around my family. And, you know, I don't do the road really because I like to be home and I want to coach Little League and I want to be a part of this shit. So. Whoa. 
I've been driving a 2000 Ford Explorer for the last seven years that I bought for $1,500 off my buddy Jordan at brunch. He was going to leave brunch to go to Carfax or CarMax to sell his car. And I'm like, don't leave. We're having a blast. And he goes, I got to get rid of this car, dude. I'm getting a new car. I'm done yeah. with this car. Seven years ago, dude, I looked at Kate. I'm like, how about we just buy it? Because I needed a car. And he's like, done. 1500 bucks. I still drive it. The passenger side door doesn't open from the outside. And the window doesn't go down. So like, if you valet, I have to o- reach out the back window, open it, and then explain to the guy, all right, man, this is how you got to work the door. And like forever, my wife's like, just get a car, would you? Yeah. And I'm just like... I don't, there's certain things I want and don't want. So, like, yeah, keeping them with Joan, all my friends own houses. I'm watching all my friends. We rent a duplex, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I'm just like, at the end of the day, I'm like super happy with my kids. And like, I go into there, they share a room and we love being in there and them sharing a room. And then, like, like I'll be like going the bathroom, you know? Or I'll be taking a shower and the I hear the, the doorknob like, <laughs> And then the door open, and then the curtain pull back, and it's my daughter going, Daddy, and like holding up like a little yeah. cat, and then leaves. And I'm like, if I lived in a $2.5 million home, my fucking daughter's not going to be coming down the hallway opening the door because oh. I'm going to be upstairs in the master suite in the shower where she's going to be down in the kids' play. You know what I mean? So, like, for me right now, I've just like really tried to grow an appreciation for like what I have. And like, that's Leanne. That's I'm not, I'm, I'm the opposite in that I always, I'm the opposite in the sense that. Uh, a little, a little bit, not entirely. I don't really care to keep up with the Joneses, but I do like, I do like neat, neat, nice stuff. Leanne is like you. We got a, we have a two thousand Mercedes that is infested with black widow spiders that Leanne <laughs> refuses to get rid of. Yeah, and she's been bit twice, and she still <laughs> won't get rid of it. I had to make the call and go. I call my business manager. I go, I'm going to buy a new car. Uh, I'm doing that today. I will have the company, I will have the car dealership call you. I will tell you the car I want. Don't tell me I can't afford it. I want, a, I want, I'm not getting in this fucking car. Yeah. But we had both our cars. We have a, I think like a 2005 uh, Expedition. So it's in great shape. Yeah. But it's torn up because of the girls. Yeah. My wife's like, I'm not getting a new fucking truck. You don't buy new trucks. Like In LA, you buy new trucks. In the world, when you have a truck, you keep that truck because that's your truck. That's your truck. And and so she's like, we're not buying. It's paid off. We got a great tax or a great settlement for something. And so we paid that car off. We had the Mercedes for free. So my mom gave it to us. So we have we had two cars, no payments. And I was like, and we had it like that for like seven years. I go, babe. We're getting a new fucking car. Like I would like a new car. Like I would like a nice car. She was. Ne- She's like, listen, we can keep our nut at below the like our nut per month. Yeah, is ridiculously low because Leanne just has worked it. That's great. That's yeah. great. I mean, that's got to be a thing because I I always say this. Like you look at like athletes and you're like, all right, that dude that just got into the NFL or like let's say you just got your deal where you're making seven million a year for the next five years. None of it, which is like, all right, so that's thirty five mil. Let's say like eighteen's guaranteed. Right. That dude should live his life like he makes two hundred fifty thousand dollars a year. If you want to live the rest of your life like you make two hundred and fifty or even four hundred thousand a year, whatever, yeah. instead of living like you make seven million dollars a year because you don't and it's never going to be there, or and you want to leave money aside for your kids when you leave, you know what I mean? Do you want to be able to afford this fucking this funeral at the Wiltern? You yeah. know what I mean? 
So I, like, that's that's I'm definitely the I'm definitely the pro athlete that's like, dude, I signed for twenty million dollars. I'm spending twenty one. I know you are, dude. Um, I, and and Leanne, I brought home a check one time from a, a corporate gig. It was a big check, like for stand up. It was a yeah. big check, and I was like, I dropped it on the table. I go, well, what do you got to say about that? And you know what she said? We just keep half. I went, what? That's the way to go, man. Earn like, half your money. I was like, what? She's like, we just keep half. So let's not go ahead and spend all of it. Like, let's realize that we keep half. So that's going to be my thing with my kids. Every time they make a dollar, I'm like, you make 50 cents. Oh. You get 50 cents of that. We put the other 50 cents away. Can I tell you a Leanne Kreischer uh, lesson? She Don. My Georgia, that my, my oldest, that is a Jay Larson uh, mo- teachable yeah. moment. She... Um, said georgia needs new winter clothes i think this is a great time to explain to her the value of coupons okay so she got a coupon from macy's and said i want to make sure that georgia knows there's no shame in using coupons did i you just did you just do this on your I, I just on your instagram, on story? instagram yeah and so she took georgia out clothes shopping to macy's with a 40 percent off coupon and said whatever it is in macy's if i want georgia to be able to go and because I, I have a hard time i i don't look at price tags yeah which is a which can is fine if you're if you're in like if I'm buying a pair of shoes, or you know like I know what a, a, a nice pair of sneakers costs. Okay, go ahead. If I'm buying jeans at the Gap, I know they're not going to be. I don't buy. I don't go and do that with like really expensive like artwork and shit like that. But like I do it. Like I don't look at the. I know I need, need a new pair of jeans from the Gap. I'm buying a new pair of jeans for the Gap. Yeah. I knew. I know I need new sneakers uh, on on Amazon. I'll see the price tag. I'm not. I know I'm not going to spend two hundred bucks on sneakers, but I may spend like ninety bucks on sneakers. Sure. Um, I don't look at price tags very often, and I and it came back to bite me in the ass with this hat I bought at the Rams game, and it was like fifty seven dollars, and I didn't look at the price tag, and I ended up buying one for my friend's kid, and they were it was like one hundred twelve bucks or something, and I was like <laughs> I was like fuck, but I got embarrassed and I was afraid to go. We can't aff- like yeah. I can afford them, but I go I don't plan on spending fifty seven dollars on a hat. Right. So Leanne's like I don't want our kids growing up like that. I love that, yeah. dude. Yesterday, yesterday. I was grocery food shopping with my with my daughter, and I go to the guy. I'm like, "Hey, man, what do you think's a good steak for a kid? Like, I like making steak for the kids, but what's a good one?" And he goes, "I don't know, filet, ribeye." And I go, "I go, are you out of your fucking mind? I go, I'm not buying a kid a filet, dude." I go, "I'm good, man." And I I wouldn't even buy meat. Flap steak, flap steak. Well, I'm, give me something that's like tender but not expensive. That's what I'm. I'm not dropping yeah. cake. flap steak. I just bought flap steaks for the girls last night. What's flap, flap steak? steak? Same as flank steak or same as uh, skirt steak almost. But it's super thin. Super thin, super fatty, like really tender. You got You cut it. I'm terrified for choking uh-huh. reasons. So um, what I do is I take them. I grill them like probably three minutes per side, five minutes per side. The girls like them a little more well done. Uh, season them with just salt and pepper, and then you. I roll them up and I cut them against the grain, yeah, um, real thin, and then I go ahead and I chop them up for the girls. I go, I don't want them choking on anything. Gotcha. Um, but it's it's a thin, thin slice and it's, it's, a, it's so fatty. Funny. It's really juicy. The girls fucking love it. I I mean I didn't do, it, but last time I did ribeye because it was like like twelve ninety nine a pound. It was yeah. like on sale. I'm like, oh, let's do that. Oh, this was uh, like yesterday. It was seven. By the way, I do check prices on meats. Oddly enough, because you, you get, they get jacked like, up in L.A. Crazy. Ja- you can go in and they go, oh, I'll take a fillet. Oh, that's twenty five dollars per pound. You're like, hold on, are you cooking it for me? Yeah, like that. You and then to, you're going to serve it? Yeah, you can go to Smart and Final and get a fucking whole tenderloin filet for like fucking 111 bucks. that's like, like fucking, like, I don't know, I'm going to, but it's cheaper, and then you cut it up yourself, and you got to, now granted, you got to cut out the silver 
silver thing. Yeah. How long have we been going? Two hours. Two hours? We should probably wrap this up soon. Let's wrap it up. Um, but yeah, I, you're, I, you know what I, I think about you sometimes, and I always, I used to joke and say this about myself, and I kind of wished I was more like this. Rogan is like this, and this is the, we'll, we'll, we'll come full circle with my compliment to you. You are, and you won't like this compliment, but you are a lifestyle brand. You, the, what you like in life is interesting to all of us. If you had a blog of like shit Jay likes, I have one. Are you serious? It's on my website. I mean, I have a blog on my website. And do you put your limoncello recipe up? Uh, no, but I I made fig jam at home. Like my neighbor had figs. Yeah. But I like my 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 blog is like they're like a little bit longer because I'm not just talking about the fact that I made fig jam. I'm talking about the fact that like what I like about community is that a neighbor can have a fig tree that's bustling and they don't know what to do with the figs and they call you and I talk about the experience of going over with my kids and learning that, hey, you like go into the house and you say hello to everybody and then you take the figs and then like we get home and now every time my son bites into his peanut butter and fig sandwich at school he knows or he doesn't know but i know that i made the actual jam that he's eating and there's something about that that like resonates with me so like my blog is i like i like people i like comedy people design food and booze and that's what this blog is about so like there's a post about with me and David Lynch from working with David Lynch. There's a post about going to Falling Water, Frank Lloyd Wright's home in Pennsylvania. What, I, what was that? What, I, you just posted something about working with David Lynch. I was in Twin Peaks, you know. I was yeah. in that, so like I got to work with David Lynch and like had a heart to heart with him and like yeah. What was the, what was the heart to heart? You, you mentioned something I didn't about talk that? about like what actually happened, but like we had this whole conversation about his dad and like oh, he was yeah. telling me about, like what his dad did and like. It was just me and him, and then he was like, "Yeah, my dad worked for, uh, Forest Fire Watch in Montana," and uh, we were talking about it. And Jack Kerouac did that, and I used to be a huge Kerouac guy. And I, and like when he wrote Dharma Bombs, he lived up there in California doing Love that. Dharma Bombs, yeah, it's the best. Sometimes I jump rock to rock and sing out haikus. Really, is that what he's saying? That and it's the only thing I remember from Dharma Bombs. Oh, but that was my favorite book of Kerouac's because it was the only one where he was like really kind of sober. You know, he yeah. was like he was drinking port and stuff like that, but. So I just looked at him and I go, oh, kind of like Kerouac. And he was like taken back and he looked at me and he goes, yeah. And I go, all right, man, I'll see you Wednesday. And I left and I just fucking dropped Mike on David Lynch. Um, So like I write about all those things that like I have an interest in because I'm just trying to like I want to like get that exercise down of like writing one time a week, something like longer format about something that interests me. So that's what I do. I've been doing that this week with uh, or this month with sobriety. I write in oh, the mornings, yeah. but it sometimes it's been really short. Sometimes it's been long, but just about like trying to figure out what's going on in my head about how do I incorporate this into a healthy lifestyle change where I continue to be who I am and who I have been and don't change the essence of me. And I do like drinking. I don't want to stop drinking, but I need to find the things in my life that make drinking fun again. Yeah. Like I need to find like working out or my source energy, like getting outside. I, I love that you i love that i love that you have that blog yeah i, I like it because and i want to share like if i want people to come to me like you know they find me through something in comedy and then realize like oh he has interest in other things and i also have those interests and so then maybe they connect to that want to you know hear about it and then find a way to like tie it back into like my approach to life you know Man, you're a fascinating guy. Not really, but I appreciate that, Bert. No, you totally are. Thanks, man. I'm glad I've known you as long as we have. I know it's been like, a long I feel time. Like there's a, I feel like you know. I will say. I will say. I think we're friends. I, I don't, For sure. But but I I do like the thing I love about this business is you have friends that you don't keep up with every day. But when you catch up, you, you have a shorthand that you don't have to. 
there's not a lot of reintroduction. It's just yeah, it's just back right. Like Thune is a perfect example. I run into Nick and I can just cat like he's texting me for the Rams game because he was there for the Seahawks. Yeah, and I was like, oh, if I was drinking, I'd go fucking party with him right now. Yeah, no kidding. Oh. He has one of my favorite intros to this podcast ever. We started the podcast, and then he just goes, uh, can I have a swig of your vodka? I'm having a fucking shaky morning. And I was like, <laughs> let's both get drunk. Oh, oh, my God. God, I love that guy. So what's your specials at uh, jlarson.com? jlarsoncomedy.com. jlarsoncomedy.com. Mm-hmm. It's called Me Being Me. Me Being Me. And uh, it's really great. I'm really proud of it. I'm like, you know, I saw the thing through from start to finish. So it's cool, man. I'm proud of him. I'm proud of you, man. That's Thanks, fucking buddy. awesome. Thanks, man. I'll talk to you after this about where I see specials going in the future because I'm going through that right now. Yeah, I but bet. I do think there's a way in a in that not right now for you, but in like six months, I think there's something to be done that will increase your touring I exponentially. Ho- I hope so. I, I want to talk to you about it afterwards. And what was the other thing I wanted to tell you? There's another secret I wanted to tell you. Ooh, secrets. Secret time. Hey, you can um, tell me after. I can't remember what it is. Anyway, um, well, dude. Thanks for having me on, dude. I appreciate it, man. I love you. And you fuck too, the Crab but. Feast. Five stars, man. Five stars. Fuck the Crab Feast. If you guys don't know, uh, you can find me. I was on, like, I think six months ago. Yeah, I mean, it was it's beautiful. you and Sickler. Yeah. You guys do live shows. I saw you guys did some theater in Baltimore when I was in Baltimore, and I was like, yeah. fuck. Yeah, I was no like, that. that's where everyone is tonight. <laughs> Get out of here. <laughs> I love you, Jamie. You too, buddy. Thanks, buddy. This episode was brought to you by The Machine.